Sporting! Sporting! Campeões! Campeões! Distance! 10 meters! So, so Nina, let's, let's not take a piss here. I, I certainly was. Well, I think you are. Episode 156, and it's me, Gary P, and of course, the Prof Car Riley. TFTs have new sponsors, Gary. Oh, yeah. Might as well announce them straight away, Prof. We'll announce them straight away. Fairly, very loyal to our other ones, but we have been picked up, Prof. The popularity has gone through the roof. We've been picked up by none other than Manscaped, Prof. Manscaped have decided to swoop in and just leech off of our success. So we've said, go ahead, we'll give them a partnership. I mean, it, it does make sense because my balls are like a beanbag at this stage. You see, when you're when your balls are so hairy that you can kind of just use them as a beanbag, adjust the hair and then just make and fashion a beanbag out of it. It's handy when you want to go out for a couple of drinks and Stevens Green and things like that. It's very descriptive. Keep going. Um, it looks like pretty much like I'm sitting on Pico's head during lockdown. You know, when, mm-hmm. when he had massive hair. So, got this manscaped and said, we'll give it a go. So, in we went, dived in, took a while in fairness. And it was like there was a right said Fred reunion in my trousers. You know, two balding bouncy heads just jumping around me underpants so bald totally bald and it's like when you're digging in there like it's it's fairly easy like not only sometimes you want to be very careful you could nick something and that's the last place you want to nick something so you're you're grooving around you and you have these like newspapers to put on the ground so you can have a read so they give you these newspapers as part of the kit and you lay it on the floor. So whatever technique you have before, you can throw that out the window for shaving your balls. And you can put the newspaper on the floor. So it's like when a dog goes to the bathroom. You put, you're put you pretty much treating yourself like that. So you're shaving away. And there's something to read while you shave your balls. And your nether regions. So yeah, really, really happy with that. Not very exciting. Yeah, tell us the code. We have a code. The code is TFTES. It's Tifties. So Tifties is the code for 20% off. And uh, help us. We need to sell a. We need to sell a, or they'll dump us. Pretty much. That's pretty much what it is. It's like sell a, or you can fuck off. So Tifties is the code. Go on to Manscaped. Uh, Google them and check out TF. No, TFTES is the code for twenty percent off. So Tifties is the code. If you have really hairy balls and you've been thinking about us, well, you're looking at your hairy balls. It's a match made in heaven. So that is Manscaped. And of course, we are loyal to our other ones. We have Ocean Electrical, who are now doing work for Unpost as well. Carl, they're uh, they're going corporate. They've got a couple of Nixers in the Unpost universe, and they're doing great work. And everybody's really happy with the work that they're doing. So yeah, they're uh, they're delving into the corporate world. Fantastic stuff from Ocean Electrical, as usual. And they are uh, our forever sponsors. And of course, Leinster Credit. 
who had a customer in the Parsons household recently, or the the wider, the wider uh, household, and uh, they got security cameras installed. Like I was telling you, and they did a fantastic job. Really happy with it. So, if you need anything like that, when obviously if if you haven't got a few quid saved for a rainy day and you need something as an emergency, you know. Lens uh, that credit are your guys, so get in touch with them. So that's the sponsors, Don't Prof. We are total whores, do you know that? Yeah, we really are at this stage. So if you catch a ginger left wing back stealing 15, 20, 25, 30 yards on a throw in, you'll catch it on the CCTV cameras. Thanks, the Lens credit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we've a full report on the dirty game. Uh, that throw in and the interview with a Rovers fan, Billy Nolan, who's been stuck in Dundalk for nearly 30 years. And I, I reckon I, I'd probably prefer to be in Rikers Island than in that situation. <laughs> it was mad listening to him, wasn't it? <laughs> great crack. Uh, great interview. Uh, so we were ravaged by injury as well, Prof. Ravaged. We'd nearly get a game at this stage. So Oriel Park on Friday. Back to the massacre. 4-0. Jack run a muck. And, yeah, here uh, Carl Kearns has his boots ready just in case. Carl Kearns, yeah, apparently he's been impressing in the Glenmalore trials. He's looking at that number 10 spot. That's the spot. I'd say it'd be great for him because he doesn't have to do much. just has to get the ball and ping it around. You know that kind of that, that luxury player that doesn't have to track back or anything like that. But yeah. then again, he's fond of a red card. Just the Hollywood passes. The Hollywood passes, yeah. And we're also going to talk about how a bearded, inspirational coach in his mid-30s has led a team in green and white hoops to a league title and 32 games unbeaten in the league. We are of course talking about Ruben Amarum of Sporting Clube de Portugal. Oh, the prof is getting involved in the pronunciations. Chef oh, yes. Ray Whelan will be spitting his soup all over <laughs> his dashboard. He won't be happy. Um, yeah, so we've interviewed the guys from the Sporting uh, 160EN podcast. Both men were in great spirits. After Sporting clinched the Premier League for the first time since 2002, a little over a week and ago. And can I say that this is one of the most enjoyable interviews I think the Prof has ever done. It's it's deadly. Wait until you hear it. It it listens like a James Richardson interview. You know, two very well to well one very well to do Englishman and a and a Canadian. So it was totally <laughs> left the field. Like it was brilliant. It really was. And this is a fascinating club wait until you hear this interview and I'm going to delve deep into the sporting world after this because it's brilliant like the wait until you hear about the ultras and the hooligans coming on and attacking the training ground and then what happened after it this is worth a book alone brilliant stuff definitely you're going to love it yeah it's crazy stuff brilliant brilliant stuff so yeah last week's uh, our in- last week's show prop our intro went down well love a little bit of fading a little bit of a fade and then we come in and uh, you're going to love as you as you just heard there the intro, we're getting a, we're getting a bit creative, prof. I've actually never had so many messages sent into us about an intro. Like people were telling me like they listened to this several times over and over again. Ah, how jazzy was the late late <laughs> show on? Yeah. I was just I was grooving. I'd never heard that before. I just randomly came across it on YouTube. But uh I actually met Dennis Dunhu. Well I always meet Dennis on the way into the Tata games. But this time I said to him, uh, I loved your commentary. And he said he wasn't expecting to hear his voice at the start of the podcast. Ah, oh, brilliant. So oh, he's a listener. He is. Excellent. Big shout out to Dennis Donahue. And um, he's obviously their brothers, but sounds sounds very like Dunster. I don't know how I didn't piece that together before. I know. I actually didn't even know. I was like, what? When I heard his voice, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Very now. like, aren't they? Yeah. Very like. Well, I go! I love that bit. <laughs> Gary Twig. <laughs> Excellent stuff. So looking forward to it again. 
Um, Neil Walsh of Crumlin says he is boycotting Tifties. This fella is a charlatan and an imposter. <laughs> and uh, even even the Post know that he lives in Crumlin. He got his program into his door the other day. It said Crumlin on it. And he scribbled it off and put Kimmage on it. So Somebody had scribbled it off. We don't know who. Either way, listen. He's living a lie, this gentleman. Yeah. Uh, but the crumlin Kimage debate rumbles on. And a uh, fantastic reaction to our Anthony McDonald tribute last week an emotional roller coaster as it was described and the show had people laughing and crying by the end of it and it was it was brilliant and uh, is it Jerry Desmond who sounds like John Boy from from Love Hate I suppose he did a bit yeah they, was, <laughs> it, was, it was him Aid, Aiden Gillen that was him just before Bill Gleeson yeah yeah, on, yeah. It, it's fucking Aiden Gillen all over <laughs> it was very good and I, I, I was <laughs> loving it yeah great voice couldn't like, get it out of my head I saw um Jerry Byrne is another person I, di- I didn't realise was a listener uh, Jerry the Kitman Jerry the Kitman listens he says he trolls his ear in now and then which which I'll, t- I'll take that trolls a bit of kit now and then <laughs> as well Jerry if you don't but, mind because uh, his name came up a couple of times as someone who he gave Anthony uh, all this gear and he said he, just, he had a bag for it ready for him and you just give him all these shorts and socks and shirts and all and I was like, I just, washed hopefully I love that uh, yeah, so great stuff once again. It was really, really, uh, it was it was just a really good piece. But Emma Donahue said another great show, great memories of Anthony. Still hard to think of a night in Tallow without seeing him there or meeting him and the kids. And Lewis on the way to a game. So such a nice guy, full of life and cheer, which is uh, everything that he he was. You know, he was a fantastic guy. Con Murphy, yep, tears my eyes listening to the Waffles' daughter. Uh, listen to Waffle's daughter what an amazing girl so articulate In Memoriam is a lovely idea every week the contributors are all great but when Quiva came on that was what got me when we are away to Pats and he had his youngest with him and she was giving major variables to a bunch of young Pats lads who were taunting the Rovers fans in the away section she gave it to them large fucking and blinding and to apologise to me for her language as I had never heard a swear word I uh, hope the family keep coming to tell her brilliant <laughs> brilliant and that's what I always say to Jaden and I can't wait to start bringing Moya as well. Moya's seven. So she's she's been showing an interest, so I've got to bring her. And like we say, whatever you hear or say in the stadium stays there. Don't say it outside. <laughs> say what you want. I can only just ma- don't bring it home and don't tell your ma. I can only <laughs> imagine him apologising to Khan. Hilarious. <laughs> Little cute child. <laughs> Fucking this. <laughs> Give him the fingers. And Giggsy said, I was driving on the M50 Tyrioid. Giggsy hand. Uh, people in traffic staring me out of a nice tribute there great intro with O'Donnell as well and he, it's like you said Prof like you text me and you said does O'Donnell just think to, them, to himself I'm going to give them a lovely intro this week I'm going to give them a cracker of an intro this week here you go here's a present here's, here's an intro and uh, then we had Jim Conroy uh, Jim Conroy Garrett four years I couldn't get anything from this man you're being inundated now one of the greatest Hoops fans I've ever met couldn't get anything from him. Now he, I can't get him to shut up. I've just loads of messages. Yeah, I think great. brilliant. But keep uh, him coming. Yeah, Jim says I thought I'd seen and done it all with Rovers, but the Anthony McDonald tribute proved me wrong. It was very moving. Thanks to people like him, Rovers are now a better club than we've ever been. His wife and daughter were amazing. They really brought home what Rovers is all about. It's probably the first time I shed a tear for Rovers since the league playoff defeat in 1971. Wow, that's some memory, Jim. 1971. We made a man cry for over Rovers for the first time in over 40 years. Good stuff. Yeah. He also like doubted that. whether Rovers, whether Bowles had ever beaten us 
five times in a row like we've done to them so Prof I'm guessing you delved into the record books for this one I did certainly you? did and they have never beaten us five in a row they did four a few times and we put a stop to it including the Twiggy 2-1 2009 oh yes that put a stop to four in a row and the Berkey winner in 2019 that also prevented yes, five yes once again Prof with the stat darts yep. um, rest in peace Patrick Murray and Oliver Doyle who recently passed away the first team and management provided a guard of honour at Oliver's funeral on Wednesday and he was 99 when he passed a superb age and mm. uh, live it long and meaningful life fantastic stuff Um. Yeah, so condolences to all the family. Uh, Prof, on the topic, since 99 came up, what are you going to do for a summer? Oh, without the flakes. The flakes? There's no flakes. The flake shortage. Is there such thing? Is it even worth having an ice cream without a flake? I saw Joe Dye put up some options, some alternative this options. This is what I wanted to talk about. And What's one, your choice? One was like a giant Toblerone <laughs> plopped into the no ice cream. The Toblerone was twice the size of the cone. I'm like, okay. So give me your alternative. What have we got? We've got twirls. Kinder Bueno is the one for me. I'm going with that. I'm going with Kinder Bueno. you got a twirl. I like an old twirl now. You could go with a crispy roll, a Milky Way crispy roll even. Depends. Depends on your, your orientation. But it's it's a debate for another day. It's certainly going to be trying it out. But I don't I don't get how they can... Like, they have chocolate. How do they have a lack of flakes? Surely the flake mould. Someone broke the flake mould. That's what it was in Cadbury's. But yeah, that's the chocolate section. And um, it's a one year anniversary of Alex Ryan on Thursday. So young Alex. We're really going in and out of tones here. But yeah, there's a bit of a topsy-turvy one. But yeah. young Alex who passed away a year ago on Thursday. So um, there is a, as you're listening to this, there's a memoriam going on for young Alex. So um, like we said, it was a very sad day. But we, we hold him in high regard anyway. And uh yeah, so we're going to move on. We'll start our Sporting CP interview, Prof. Sam and Danny. And this is a cracker, lads. You're going to love it. Okay, we're joined now by Sam Fonseca and Danny Saldana, who co-host the Sporting 160 EN podcast. So the lads have just seen Sporting win the Premier League for the first time in nearly 20 years. So welcome, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Honestly, it's a huge pleasure for us. Yeah, thanks for having us on. It's, a, it's going to be a good talk. Uh, Sam, I'll start with you. You're from London. Uh, I was listening to your podcast last week and you said you were only a baby the last time Sporting won the title. So you sealed it with a 1-0 win over Boa Vista on the Tuesday night. It should have been a 5 or 6 by all accounts, but you did it the hard way. Describe the scenes yeah. of London afterwards. Oh, it was honestly one of the greatest feelings in my life. Like you said, um, the last time Sporting won a league, I think I was either 2 or 3. So obviously I, I don't really remember much of it, but being in London on that day, it was literally just like being in Portugal in the stadium. You know, flares being let off, the 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 sing the singing of the songs, which I haven't heard since the, the start of the pandemic, which was a, a year and sort of three two months ago now. So it just felt like I was in Portugal. Didn't you feel like London and just the jubilation? One when Paulinho scored the winner, and when that the ninety third minute when it was full time was was just scenes of joy, like hugging my dad and my brother who. Uh, sporting fans as well and the reason that I'm into football as much as I am uh, a sharing moment with with strangers and some people that actually recognized us from from the podcast um got to share a moment with them as well it was literally an unbelievable feeling and it, it's only it was only less than a week ago but I, I, I want to relive it again and again so hopefully next year and years to come I'll have that moment again 
Yeah, amazing crowd scenes in Lisbon. Obviously, I was watching the videos on Twitter. It's absolute bedlam. And uh, Danny, you're based in Canada, I believe. So you're in the middle of a lockdown. How are your celebrations? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> not many people were, were able to come out. There's about a solid uh, 15, 20 of us uh, celebrating on the street until uh, the cops decided to come up. And, and, you know, like you said, we are in a lockdown, so I do understand. Um, but I mean, a lot of a big Portuguese community out here, too. Uh, maybe out of like the three teams, Sporting fans are are less represented here. Like there's less of us. Um, but finally winning uh, and seeing just the few of us out there, and then the other Portuguese people honking their horns and stuff like that. It was it was it was a nice scene. It was it was like uh, you know like Sam said. It's I haven't had any sort of celebration since I think the last time we won the league. I was like seven, so I didn't really have any like true memory or true recollection of it. So. Uh, just living this is is nice. It's just a shame we couldn't, because of COVID, we couldn't fly out to Lisbon because hmm. those are scenes out there. <laughs> You're 112 episodes into your show now. So, Dan, tell us how the podcast came about, uh, when you started it, or, and when you started it, did you think this would ever happen, Sporting as a Champions? Yeah. Um, I mean, to the start of the podcast, I'll, I'll throw that to Sam, because Sam was actually one of the founders of it. But uh, I'll, I'll admit... I, I never thought, not never thought, but it, after uh, 2018, when the uh, training ground was invaded, I thought it would be a very long time, even a longer time for, for me to ever see uh, Sporting uh, champion again. I uh, didn't think I'd ever do it on the podcast because uh, we have a lot of uh, episodes where we're griping about the club or we were frustrated of the club's actions or certain results uh, like the 2016 result um, that, that lost us the league. Uh, but I mean, in terms of the creation, Sam, take it away, dude. Well, it started off as I was a part of another podcast in 2015, which was included a, a one other Benfica fan and a Porto fan. And from there, I mean, it, it gets a bit on your nerves listening to them to talk about winning all the time and, you know, talking bad about us making jokes. And at the time, you know, we couldn't really give anything back because we were in third place most of the time. So um, I decided to to take a risk and... I left that one to follow the the sort of my own project in Sporting 160 with a, a guy who is who is a a co-founder in in Steph who who is one of the one of the co-founders like I said and just a really great guy overall and then from there on uh, I think maybe about it wasn't called Sporting 160 um they're they're a separate podcast in Portugal one of the the biggest sporting outlets that isn't sort of to do with the club and we spoke to them about having sort of like a merger and being the English voice um, of the 160 brand. And then from there, we managed to get um, Danny on, who's been one of the 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 people steadying the ship. We've had times where I couldn't have been on. Danny and Chris, they, they've jumped on and Nando, and they've all been been really helpful and they've been a massive part of the project and, and what sporting fans stand for. But just to, to say what Danny was saying as well, from... 2016 when we lost the title by two points I never thought at least for another 10 or 20 years that we'd be watching sport and be the champions so I it was it's a fantastic journey like Danny said we've when we finished fourth last year especially I never thought like that would happen to us being first you know we had such an abysmal season last year which was to be fair I think we would have been fifth or sixth if it wasn't for Bruno Fernandes definitely so I mean, especially losing a player of his calibre and then the next season going on to win the league is just just unheard of. Never in a million years I thought we'd be champions. 
And I'll stay with you, Sam. The only thing left to do really was to go the whole season unbeaten, wasn't it? Earn that Invincibles tag. Fortunately, it didn't happen. 4-3 defeat away to your great Lisbon rivals, mm. Benfica. A mutual friend of ours, Cam Murphy, he was saying to me that they might have to give you a guard of honour, which they would have hated, I'm sure. But as I understand it, the guard of honour is just not really a thing in Portugal. It's more, it's more English. Yeah, so um, it, it doesn't happen a lot. It does happen sort of sporadically. I think the last time there was a guard of honour in Portugal might have been, I think, Danny can correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was 16-17 when Benfica won the league and Bovista gave there, them the guard of honour. There right? was actually one last season where Mureiras oh, did it for uh, Porto. But I mean, it's not a tradition, so it happens only every now and again, and it's not really like obliged to do so. So I, yeah. I kind of understand where they're coming from. And with that as well, I know today in the second division, Estoril ended up winning that and they were given a guard of honour by uh, their opponents. So it's not really like a um, like a ob- ob- obligatory thing, but, you know, it would have been nice to see it, but I can get why they wouldn't want to do it. I, I wouldn't want to do it if the roles were reversed 100%. But um, in terms of the actual undefeated run, I mean, it was sad it, it came to an end, but we're still history makers. We're the only team to go. I think it's in this current iteration, there's 18 teams in the league. No one's ever gone as far as we did of, of being unbeaten. So we, we could still hold our heads high. It would have been nice to be undefeated, but at the end of the day, we're still champions. So <laughs> Obviously, one of the main reasons to have you on is the the, similar, <clears throat> the similarities we found with um, <clears throat> Shaman Grovers. So Ireland's green and white extended their unbeaten run to 33 games on Saturday. Sadly, Sporting's run came to an end at 32 on the same night. Uh, you, you won your cup in 2019 in penalties, so did Robbers. Mm-hmm. Both our managers are highly rated coaches in their mid-30s who like to have a good mix of youth and experience in their teams. I see you even have a Cape Verdean in the National in your <laughs> books, uh, so did Robbers. So plenty of common ground to be found here, Sam. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, um, I, I do have uh, family connections to Ireland. Uh, my nan was actually born and raised in Kilkenny in Ireland. Um, she's never been that much of a football fan though, so I didn't really get that that football um, heritage down the line on the, the Irish side, especially because my my mum is the Irish side, so I didn't really. She's not really into football, so it was mostly my dad bringing me up on on sporting, and, and he's an Arsenal fan, but I never took that that part of of him as well. I, I just was a sporting fan through and through. But you know, um, when Con was on the podcast, he was talking about Shamrock Rovers and and the this, this season they've had in the previous seasons. You know, there seems to be a lot of similarities, but I think our, our Irish brother, so to speak, um, we've got a few Irish fans as well. Um, one of the main ones I can think of is a guy called Sam as well, sharing the same name as me. He's actually currently in Lisbon at the moment with family, but I believe he is um, I'm trying to think of the, the team he supports. At the top of my head, I can't remember, but I don't think it's Shamrock. But in terms of like the whole Irish game, he goes to sort of every Irish game before the pandemic. He's He's very big on sort of the supporting your local team and because I know the especially with the Irish national team there's some some hope to be desired there you know in terms of the actual growth of Irish football I know it is on on TV here in England I don't get get that much to, opportunity to watch but I think you know I think it's great having some similarities between clubs especially with with football today so like with Benfica and Porto you know, there is obviously the quite big rivalry there and I'm sure there's there's the Irish equivalents as well. But it's, it's just nice to to be a part of like a, a sort of family. Um, Celtic as well, we're very fond of in, in Scotland, you know, sharing the similarities as well. 
So I, I think it's just great to be a part of some some bigger family. Danny, are you learning a bit about Irish football yourself? A little bit, yeah. Um, in particularly with the 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 Irish Sam that that Sam just mentioned. I think is it Bray Wanderers and is, yes, in the, is it. it that or yeah? So Wanderers I think that's the team he supports. Um, but yeah, very, I mean, I, I try to get as much as I can from Canada, right? Obviously, it's not as covered as much here, just like the Portuguese league isn't. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I looked up the Shamrock Rovers uh, just before here, just before coming on here. I've also obviously heard of them and their rivalry with with Bohemian as well. And uh, there's actually a really good documentary on it on YouTube. I think it's like 20, 30 minutes uh, that I just I, I really enjoyed seeing. Um, yeah, a couple 90, yeah. Yes, exactly. So um, uh, I, I don't think the, the the that result was favorable for for us because now I'm a I'm a Shamrock Rover till I die. But I like, um, I like <laughs> but no, it's a good and and I love to see the uh, the passion. I'm 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 more of a uh, uh, a football fan for for how the fans react to certain clubs. You know, I, I I'm not necessarily into these like European Super Leagues as much as I'm I'm more into like. Boca Junior fans beating up River Plate fans, sort of, so to speak. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, to see that passion also in Ireland, it's 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 a beautiful thing to see. Do either of you know why Sporting wear green and white hoops? Any idea of the reason behind that? Not off the top of my head. No. Yeah, <laughs> that was one I thought to ask. Him. I wasn't sure either, but uh, we'll <laughs> yeah, talk I'm about sure. the, the the Portuguese Bradzer, as I'm calling them, because uh, Amaram. And Shamrock Rovers manager Stephen Bradley, they're both 36, both former midfielders. Bradley was a big, big prospect as a teenager, went to Arsenal and came home to Rovers and won a league title with us. Uh, Euro Gaffer obviously reached a higher level, played in two World Cups in Portugal. What sort of football does he like to play, uh, Dan? What, what's his style? Um, uh, in terms of style, he's he likes the three at the back formation. Um, I, he's we didn't really see it in in Sporting's history. We under George Jesus, it was always the same sort of four four two or four four three. It was always the sort of same formation. So it was really nice and refreshing, especially when the last few seasons we went out and bought players who, you know, were just on on name value. Like we, we've we've bought in, for example, Yannick Bolassi, who who I personally really like as a, as a as a as a person, but. He well, he didn't suit our style at the time. Same with just Jesse Rodriguez. And I think the one thing sporting fans have always said since the attack on the academy is just that if we're going to rebuild, we need to play with the youth. Um, Daniel Braganza is a huge prospect in midfield who we've wanted uh, for years. Uh, Jovan Cabral, the the Cape Verdean, as, as you were saying as well. There's just so many times that we've wanted to play youth, and Amarim, to his credit, has come in, um, picked in Inacio out of the B team, who is now one of the best centre backs. Obviously, I'm biased. One of the best centre backs in in the Portuguese league. Um, Braganza, as I mentioned, Matheus Nunes, um, Thiago Tomas, who I'm not the biggest fan of, but still definitely um, a youth setup. So it's it's a three four three, I believe. Um, uh, definitely, sort of uh, trying to call like a, a passionate football. Every, every single player um, plays for the badge. You know, wins, every, tries to win every tackle. There's no sort of like laziness. It, it sort of reminds me of of Marcelo Biesla, always always pressing, always having that sort of um, energy and and tactical awareness. And I think I can see him becoming a really really big manager. I can see him managing the likes of of Barcelona, Real Madrid, all these all these big clubs. But hopefully he stays here <laughs> just just a bit longer. <laughs> yeah, Danny Sporting paid 
10 million to get this man from Braga, the third highest fee for a manager ever paid in Europe. It was a gamble, but it's paid off big time, hasn't it, after leading you to glory? And as Sam said, he's probably going to be on other club's radar now. Yeah, for sure. A huge, huge gamble that's paid off. And actually after interest, because once COVID hit, uh, Sporting actually stopped making payments and Braga sort of uh, accumulated interest from that. As of, as of uh, from what I understand, it's now 14 million. But yes, yeah, still the highest paid transfer fee for a manager in football uh, history. Um, I, I, something that all of us, you know, were, were foaming at the mouth at and weren't quite understanding what, why this sort of money was being paid for a manager who never hasn't completed his coaching license even till today, um, had only been managing uh, a top flight team in Braga for about four or five months. And before that, it was 10 games in total. He managed for Braga before, before being signed to us. Exactly. Yeah. Um, He, and then before that he was in a third division team uh, called Casa de Pia or Casa Pia and managed to get them promoted. Um, but not without the controversy there with the same, um, with the same implications with the coaching license. So it, it was a, it was a huge gamble that paid off with an administration at Spartan that was already under a lot of pressure, uh, because the current administration taking over after the attacks, uh, of the fans, um, met, you know, you know, we had one of the worst seasons as, as Sam mentioned last season in club history. Um, we, we managed to finish fourth because of Bruno Fernandes, but, um, had it not been for him, we could have easily been down in tenth. We we lost uh, a number of ga- uh, um, record um, number of games last season. So for him to to turn it around and for him to turn it around in such short notice, um, it, it's incredible the work that that him and his coaching staff uh, have done to to really turn the club around. Uh, yeah. Normally it's me giving Con Murphy stats for his commentary, but it's the other way around today. He had a stat for me. He said, your gaffer has been sent off four times this season. So how did he manage that? Does he have a bit of a temper? Not really. I mean, a bit. It's more so words. It's not even It's not even actions that he's taken. I think it's just, it's the Portuguese league being the Portuguese league, if I may critique it. Um, because in the same league, we have managers that, that want a physical altercation that don't get any game suspensions. Whereas with our gaffer, I guess because maybe he doesn't have the proper coaching license, he's doesn't have a right to speak or to get up as much as as he did in the beginning. Uh, that, that's what one of the um, one of especially early on, because most of these suspensions came early on in the season before he completed uh, a current license to actually uh, qualify him as a manager for us. Um, I mean, he has a bit of a of a temper for sure. Uh, I mean, which manager doesn't? And uh, Portuguese officiating will definitely raise your cholesterol um, <laughs> and, and blood pressure. But um, he's not as bad as you think, I, I, or, or as the stats may suggest. Um, and I think once once he goes abroad, um, we'll be able to see that better, that it's, it's, it's just Portugal being, being Portugal. Yeah, Sam, you've referenced uh, that incident from a few years ago a couple of times there in 2018 when 50 uh, so-called fans attacked the, the players in the training ground after some poor performances and you missed out on the Champions League. Of course, just days before the cup final, which you then lost. But um, I was looking at the pictures earlier, poor Bastos, you know, nasty cuts on his head. It was obviously well publicised. But uh, what did you make of all this as it happened? Like, As it happened, so there is a bit of backstory to it. Um, so... 
we played against Atletico Madrid in, if I'm correct, I think it was either round of 16 or quarterfinals of the Europa League, which we ended up losing, which then our our president at the time, Bruno Cavallo, went on Facebook and wrote a lengthy statement about the players not not performing too well, which to me at the time, I thought we actually played really well against Atletico Madrid in, in the second leg. The first leg had a lot to be desired, but Atletico Madrid, you know, still under Diego Simeon, still under some, some of the best players in, in world football. Like, I mean, when the when the draw was announced, I wasn't expecting any miracles, but um, Bruno de Cavallo, the president at the time, ended up putting a, a lengthy statement on Facebook, which then led to some players refusing to play against, in the next game, I believe it was against uh, Maritimo, um, putting statements on their Instagram saying that they were treated unfairly and that they shouldn't they shouldn't have been outed to the media in the way that they were. Which at the time and still now, I do think it was. I, I love Bruno de Cavallo, the man. Uh, we've had him on the podcast before, but he's not immune to making mistakes. He, he's human and as just much as everyone else. And I think that was sort of the catalyst for it. Uh, you might not know, but he, Bruno de Cavallo was actually. Um, a leader of our ultra groups, one of our ultra groups at one point, the Uvaleo, which is the, the biggest one in the club. Um, and then after we lost, I, I can't remember if it was after we lost or before we lost. I'm sure Danny can correct me on that. We lost to Maritima. I think that's when the attacks happened. Or am I, was it before that, Danny? Do you know, or was it on, on that day? No, so it was after. So after that, Atletico Madrid uh, lost 2 nothing. We ended up going on a 10-game winning streak. Um, beating in Atletico in the second leg, just one nothing, so not enough in aggregate. Um, though even on that game, we could have we could have potentially had a, at least two or three. Um, but you know, of course, our chances went missing. But of course, then we went on a ten game winning streak where the players um, they would on the field they would celebrate a goal. They would all come together as sort of as like a, a gesture of unity. Um, the last game of the season, we needed to uh, beat Maritimo to get second place to qualify for the Champions League. And um, it was just a horrible game from start to finish. Um, questions asked on on the manager who decided to play uh, Scalotto, our, our right back or at the time, uh, who seemed to have been injured right from the 10th to 18th minute um, and didn't come off until the 80th. Uh, questions asked about um, Rui Patricio now at Wolves uh, for, for two huge mistakes that cost us basically Champions League football uh, and millions of, of, of euros the next season. Um, uh, and then from there, uh, in, in the island of Madeira, uh, a confrontation between the players and the fans, um, right from the get-go, really, but more so in the airport. And then from there, the, the next day or the day following that, um, 50, as you said, so-called fans. Uh, to, in my eyes, how can they be fans days before a cup final um, to attack their players? I, I don't get it. But, you know, 50, 50 uh, thugs went into the uh, training ground, attacked players, um, of course, certain other exaggerations with certain players like Rafael Leung and, and Paul Vince, who weren't at the state, who weren't at the training pitch, ended up rescinding their contracts as well. So there's a huge controversy behind all of that and, and how Spartan fans view the players that rescinded their contracts. Um, but yeah, that, that's basically the gist of it. Not qualifying for Champions League and, and sort of the attitude that the players had towards the fans um, led to this confrontation. Um, that the media tried to blame on on the at the time Bruno de Carvalho, the, the president at the time, um, who a few months ago was actually uh, in a court of law, like uh, deemed um, basically uh, free of all charges. Like he had no nothing. No, there's no proof, at least, that he had anything to do with the attacks. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Just to add to that as well. So Danny pretty much hit the nail on the head with with everything there. 
Um, I believe it was Marcus Acuna in the airport who the, one of the fans said something as they were seen walking past. And Marcus Acuna, not to, to stereotype or anything, being on the on the football pitch, especially being sort of an aggressive guy, uh, short-tempered, he sort of lost it with the fans. And you could sort of pinpoint that moment of of where you know something was going to go wrong. We also didn't know to the extent it, that it happened. But um, I remember just, just being on, on Twitter and watching the news and seeing sporting there and it was just such an embarrassment to me you know I always used to say uh even I was just I was my last year of college but I used to go to college and school and you say oh we're the best fans in the world you know we we love the club we love the players and then for that to happen was just just absolutely horrible and and really a disgrace to our club and like Danny said that they're not fans they're thugs and at the end of the day they caused the most damage in terms of actual damage and uh, physical damage and and just basically this whole last few seasons was because of them and as much as as I I dis I really dislike especially Rui Patricio being the captain rescinding uh, William Cavallo being vice captain rescinding and the story um, people don't really understand why sporting fans hold a grudge to Rui Patricio and William Cavallo and from the outside looking in I can see why but. What had happened was Ribchisha got a formal offer from Wolves, or sorry, Sporting got a formal offer from Wolves. I think it was 16 million. And Bruno Tagliere said, no, we need more than that. We want it, want his release clause match, which I think was 30 million euros at the time. And then when Bruno Tagliere said, said no to the offer, that is when um, Ribchisha handed in his um, notice of um, termination, followed by William Cavallio, the two vice captains and captains respectively. Then on from Daniel Podence, um, Rafael Leal, Bruno Fernandes and Bastos at the time. Bastos for me was one that I'd, if he wanted to rescind, it, it was fair enough. He was the one who, who got the, the most physical damage and I can understand why that would be sort of psychological damage to him as well. But in, in terms of everyone else, Bruno, Bruno Fernandes came back and sort of won the fans over. I think we are fine with him now. But for me, uh, Rafael Leal, Daniel Podence, Rui Patricio, William Cavallo, um, just because of their standing at the club. And like Danny said, Rafael Liao and Podence not actually being at the academy at the time, the attack, and William Cavallo and Patricia being the captains. And obviously from youth, from I think when they were eight and or nine years old being at the club and then just turning their backs on us was, was a huge shame. And I think that's why a lot of sporting fans have the grudge against them. Yeah, and if I can just add one more point on that as well, it, it it's as Sporting fans we've seen it as as them being mercenaries. Like like Sam mentioned, it was only after um, we refused a, a transfer from Wolves uh, did Rui Patricio then hand in his his transfer request. William Carvalho, who a vice captain, but was trying to get out of the club for a few years, um, especially because at the time he was linked to the likes of Arsenal and and other big European clubs. Um, he he then rescinded his contract to leave as well. Uh, Rafael Leon, because he was promised for, uh, to go to Dortmund and to go to these big clubs with with big paydays, that's really why they they um, rescinded their contracts. Even the likes of Bas Dost, um, he he only came back because we gave him a higher paying contract. I think it was like a hundred grand a week. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruno Fernandez as well. Um, maybe his contract didn't didn't get ex, uh, didn't get. Uh, higher in pay but his agent got a lot more money from the the deal it was just it left a bitter taste in our mouth because you know all we ask is for respect for the shirt and respect for the badge we met at the time we didn't win the league in 16 17 years but um we were still a big club not only in portugal but in europe um we're we're a respected club we're a historic club more importantly um and for them to just sort of 
spin on the badge like that, um, it, it left a, a very sour taste in their mouth, especially, especially the, the, the Portuguese players who did so and, and our captains who did so because they understand the magnitude and, and, and the, the, um, the, how big the club truly is. So we'll talk about the man himself, uh, Ronaldo. He wants to return to his boyhood club sporting, apparently. He might come full circle, come back to where it all began from before he moved to Manchester United in 2003. So the suggestions he'll move in 2022, his contract at Juve expires and possibly finishes his career in Portugal. He's 36 now. So I'll ask both of you, um, do you see this happening? For me personally, no. Uh, at least not this season anyway. Um, I think he's still got the value to go to and the sort of marketability and the ability to go to a team. I, I said this on the, the last podcast. I think he's going to go to PSG if if Messi, because obviously them two, it could be a situation where they both move this summer. Messi coming to the end of his contract with, with Barcelona. We're not sure how that's going to turn out. Um, they could both be, end up moving in the same window, could move to the same league, could... You know, there's been rumours about they're moving to the same club, but but for me, I see Ronaldo going to uh, France just to winning a win another league title, just so he can say I've won four league titles in the top top four out of the five top leagues. I think maybe in a few years, maybe when he's uh, at the twilight, maybe the last year, I can see him coming back, but I, I don't see it happening this year or or the next year. His mom is really pushing for it, though. <laughs> but it won't happen. Not this year, at least. <laughs> so he might leave it to ours more of a as Latin age, 39-40. Yeah, that's what I yeah. think, yeah. He's also come out and said he wanted to play until 40, and he wants to at least play one more Euro and one more World Cup. I think um, towards that last World Cup, we might we might see him in the green and white. But we'll see. It's, it's still... It's still I'm still very skeptical on it, just due to his wages and all of that. So finally, we, we've talked about some of the similarities between our two clubs. So uh, maybe a trip to Lisbon in the future will sound nice. Uh, Rose fans, I don't know if you're aware of this, Rose fans had a nice pre-season trip to the Algarve in 2018 that was called the, the Atlantic Cup. It was a pre-season tournament. Uh, and I've been told that some who's went over to the Avalad to watch Sporting a couple of years back. Uh, they were well-received. Apparently, some Sporting fans were going to come to Dublin to see a Rovers game until, of course, COVID happened. So... Possibly a good relationship could be formed here, lads. Yeah, well, if if anyone, any Shamrock Rovers fans want to come to Portugal, even uh, here in London, I'm, I'll be more than happy to to sit and talk about sporting. I can do that for for hours. You know, I am also uh, not to be myself up. I'm not I'm not a not a bad drinker. I can get a few a few pints down me. So uh, I'm more than happy if if you do ever come across me in sort of uh, the Arvalade, the Lisbon area, or even if you um, were to come across me in London, uh, like uh, uh, any game, you know, I'm a big football fan. I watch anything. So I'm more than happy to to do this. And and Carl, if you would be so kind in the future to come on the Sporting 160 EN podcast, we could ask you some questions about, about Shamrock and ask you some questions about sporting just so we can form that, that good relationship. Absolutely, be delighted. So, Dan, you'd echo that, would you? Of course, of course. I echo the, the exact same sentiments. And um, I mean, uh, like you said, there's a lot of similarities between the two clubs, more so than just the colors. It's just it, there, there's a lot of coincidences between the two clubs. Um, so, of course, you know, that's this is Shamrock Rovers. You're, you're officially my, my Irish team, if, <laughs> if I may have one. Um, and yeah. 
Okay, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us today, lads. Only thing left to say is Viva Sporting. <laughs> Viva Sporting. Uh, Viva Sporting. Thanks, guys. Thanks for talking to me. No problem. Yeah, Thank you for having thanks, us. Man. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Like I said, now that's that's a brilliant interview. Like, think about it. I, I, I love the whole concept of players rescinding their contracts, but the ones who weren't there, Podence, and I think um, your man played. He played against us. Played against us. Or no, he was in the squad against us for Milan. Uh, I can't remember. I'm after losing his name already, but they rescinded their contracts, even though they weren't even attacked and they weren't even at the ground. Hmm. So that's that's yeah, like Bost, they're seen as traitors. Bastos had his contract terminated, and then he had a change of heart, and he came back for another season. He got smashed. Yeah, he was the worst. He got an absolute hiding. Rafael Leo, he's the one who uh, he wasn't there. He's ah, the other yes, one. Yes, yes. So yeah, two massive sportingistas. Yeah, sporting. Sportingistas, brilliant though. That's fascinating. Like, think about it. and we have a link with sporting as well. Yeah. Our ultras can uh, get in touch with us and elaborate on that. I think Forky, Jay Thomas, a couple of the other lads, they can just uh, delve deep into that one and let us know the connection there as well. I know they were at a five-a-side tournament a couple of years back. Uh, Paul Thomas Kempes can tell us about that as well. He spoke at length about how well they looked after him. I'm nearly sure they were Sporting Lisbon fans. They, they You pay for a package and you get your beers and you get a great match day package out of it. So. Yeah, possibly a relationship farmer there. I, I meant to send you um, the scenes in London that Sam was talking about actually looked pretty lively when Sporting won yeah yeah in London and like it, it actually looked more lively than Man City fans when they won the league that was embarrassing like 10 people just like yeah woo woo yeah <laughs> um, the scenes when who won it who won I think, well, I think it was Palmeiras it might have been Corinthians Corinthians when they won something and Temple Bar absolutely hopping so yeah did you see Bray Wanderers reply to Man City fans on Twitter oh, they're trying, are they trying too hard again well, they can be hit and miss, but I thought this was was good. They said we've had more people show up for a club sponsored clean up of the local area. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably true. That's not bad. It probably is true. So they didn't go a whole season unbeaten. Sporting. Uh, I looked that up. It had been done four times before. Benfica twice in the seventies, Porto twice in the last ten years, but mm. still thirty-two games unbeaten. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's brilliant champions for the first time since two thousand two, and. Like we said, I like a club with a bit of edge to it, a bit of needle, you know. Yeah. I know they condemn the. I don't think I'll, go, I'll delve too deep into attacking players or anything like that, but a few digs might make you play better, you know. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> All of us invading the roadstone. What do you think about how Guard of Honours are not really done in Portugal? It's a it's a cultural thing at times, isn't it? Although I think they said it had been done one or two years ago. It depends, but... really. I mean, I'm I'm not giving balls of Guard of Honours. Mm. Put it that way. It depends on the t- relationship between the teams, doesn't it? And yeah. how the fans like they have to get some sort of insight in how the fans feel about doing that as well. Do you know? So I was reading that um, in in Italy, Sampdoria did it for Champions Inter, and Claudio Ranieri said that he thought it would be nice to mark the occasion like they do in England because he said it happened to him. Yeah, he's for Leicester, mm. he got the honor from Chelsea, so he kind of. Well, there you go. It's a prime example England. of what why it could be done. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Johnny Wilson, prof. Portuguese uh, native happy man and he said it took me leaving Portugal for this to happen after 13 years there typical there's a few <laughs> Rovers lads interested in sport and going with Rovers that Jerry Fitzgerald as well so that's maybe a European trip on the cards mm-hmm. hopefully uh, somewhere down the line but we'll talk about our game now probably drawing all home to Derry coming from behind once again to go 33 league games unbeaten and Pico in for Joey was the only change so Joey is struggling again um, see Pico's hair go yeah I'm not happy 
No. Oh, no, bring back the fro. Bring back the fro. I'm not happy at all. I thought it was. I thought for sure he'd do something for charity, like where he would just have like a dramatic haircut. Mm. After all that, like bald. Totally bald. Yeah. No. Well, listen, we I, mean, I think I was, we missed a bit. We missed the. I'm still underwhelmed by that now. Mm. But uh, you predicted the, the team. I got the team right properly. You got, like, you got it dead on. What do, what do you think? You know, that's how we roll. I think I said Gannon right wing back. That was my only error. But uh, I'll just say that I delete my inward calls, you know, after I get them. Mm-hmm. And people who rhyme with Schmeven Schmadley <laughs> might ring me every so often. But yeah, the bench told a story, Prof. Leon Pauls, Sean Gannon, Adam Wells, Coley, Murchoman, Max Murphy, Darren Nudger Nugent, Conan Newman, Edomo, Maku, and Dean Williams. So it reads like a 19th team. That was a very young bench. Reads like a 19th time. And we could have a very young starting 11. And same bench again coming up. So um, we are ravaged with injuries at the minute. And what do we put that down to, Prof? Is it, like, what what is it? Is it just natural? Is there something we're not doing right? It'd be interesting to get a bit of an insight into it. It's the worst it? we've been hit all at once in a long time, mm. I think. Who could, we, who could we get? We could get maybe our physio. We could have a little word with him. Ask him what he thinks. That'd be pretty cool. We could get him on. But Pat Bourne as well was on cold commentary and it was his 65th birthday. So officially, officially a pensioner. <laughs> Pat Bourne, uh, great to hear him. And he did not remain neutral. <laughs> I don't. I think that's the way it should be. Yeah. The home team should get a totally, totally biased commentator along with the regular one. So the co-commentator has to be Pat Bourne, a fucking twig every time when we're playing at home. Do you know what I mean? I think that has been happening though, isn't it? But yeah, was, wasn't yeah. the Derry commentator when we played the Brandywell? Wasn't he home based? Yeah, he was giving it the large one as well. Rawr! I remember they scored. Yeah, they scored against someone then a couple of weeks later, and he was like, "Yes, yeah, deadly." And Pat Burns, I'm was off the same. for that. Off for that. Plus, he's Pat, he's Pat Burns. So I mean, he can, man can do what he wants. Uh, he called uh, Mandrayu Mandarin. Yeah, old Danny's uh, he's great at peeling off defenders off the shoulder. Much like Pat was back in his day, you see him skin the player and put him in the top corner. Ah, <laughs> here. Aren't you glad fucking Danny started? Certainly was, especially in a juicy encounter like this. <laughs> oh, God. Sponsored by Manscaped. <laughs> yeah. A very wet pitch again, Prof, as well. Heavy rain beforehand. Uh, people were talking about the game being called off, which is never going to happen, but there was sticky patches. It was at a stage, like, the ball would just hold up and the rain would suck it in, like, not mm. as bad as... Modern, but obviously, like you know, that's that style where the ball just holds up. But it was the exact same, wasn't it? Two weeks earlier, where it was just lashing for most of the day, and then it pretty much stopped during the game. Yeah, sometimes that's what managers want—a bit of rain, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liam Scales, prof, presented with Player of the Month award, and very, uh, very well deserved as well. He's had a fantastic month, so uh, well done to Scalesy. Uh, got the uh, on top of winning the gold one hundred meters uh, record. Mm-hmm. Winning, breaking the world record, land speed. I think he, he did about 40 kilometers there in 10 yards. So, we're gonna lose him in July now. He has to head out to Tokyo for the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. So, um, fourth half chances, bro. Um, I think I'm more focused on. I thought Watsy was very good up until he went off. That, that's yeah. that's what was really frustrating me. I actually felt like we were kind of just starting to find our rhythm with Watts before that injury so yeah that that was a blow definitely um, yeah. we had Finner there to go send him in I know but but uh, yeah like our best chances have been the first half weren't they like we had three or four decent ones the best one obviously being Rory with five minutes to go for the break yeah you really should be scoring them in fairness 
Yeah, Danny drilled one wide. Uh, Berkey kind of found his way through on goal at one stage. He made he kind of made it all himself, but then just couldn't finish it yeah. off. So really good for us to have as regards to just chance boys didn't take them, but we're like we've been taking chances late and we've been taking chances before. It's it's one of those things, isn't it? But the Watts injury did kind of knock us knock the stuffing out of us, and I'm hoping it's not too bad. I'm hoping he's he's fit as well, and he's gonna because he's really in this he's really in the zone now, and that's what we need. Mm. We need a fit Dylan Watts, a confident playing well Dylan Watts. So um, that's that's pretty much it for the first half, prof. Second half. Penalty decision just a few minutes in the second. What's your take on this? Yeah, I watched the back earlier there, and I think it's a penalty. There's I not think, real need for him to do what he did, was there? I think it's quite clumsy the way he was holding him back a long time. And was he going anywhere? Though? That's the thing. Was yeah. he running into like where it was he was covered to his right hand side? Manus had the post covered. I think probably wasn't necessary. Yeah, I mean he he made a decision that was the wrong one ultimately. But but if you watch it back, he's he's holding him for a good. Mm. Two or three seconds, and the second he gets into the box, he's probably just thinking, "I'm go, I'm down." Like he's hot, he's got his hands on me. Mm. You put your hands on someone in the box, you expect them to go down. So, so when they set up to take the pen out, a few of us were thinking, "When's the last time Man has saved one in ninety minutes?" And uh, I think it was Derry away. <laughs> he also saved one away to Bowes. So, pretty sure he saved two or three since he's come back. Yeah, the last one in Tala I can think of was Flora Tallon. Oh, do you remember that? Just before he left. We had a great view of that. We were right in line with it. But uh, wasn't the B. Will Patching stuck it away for, yeah. for 1 0. Getting all the plaudits lately for Derry's play, for Derry's creative play. But straight away after the. Uh, with a header prof, Scales nearly nearly put one in the back of the net. So we uh, we came out fighting as usual. Good response again. Good response, yeah. But then 56 minutes came, and here we go. This is what has been on the lips of every podcaster, every reporter, everyone. And some of them are overreacting, man. I mean, I was listening to, I think it was Carly's call, Bork and them said it was the worst decision they've ever seen. Surely that's an overreaction. Has to be. It's nowhere near. I mean, this happens up and down the country in every football match, every single week that people steal yards. It's nowhere near the worst decision they've when ever is seen. It tr- like, it's an over-exaggeration. Fair enough, if they got, the ref got it wrong. It's, over, it's an over-exaggeration. Massive over-exaggeration. Fair enough. If you need to punish them, do whatever. But that's that's it. It's, it's not the worst decision anyone's ever seen. It's massive overreaction. How many throw-ins are actually taken in the exact spot in which the ball goes out? Exactly. Exactly. And I just I think it was quite cute from him it as was well. A, it was a bad decision. And you're probably talking 10 yards. If you watch... like The angle comes out first of all. The L- watch the LOI angle. And if you notice, the camera pans to the right because it, it, it they think Ronald Finn is going to take the throw-in. So it kind of pans to the right just at the end. Mm. And then at this stage, the ball's are, the throw-in's already been taken. So people are watching that and they're looking at the ball now and they're like, oh, hang on, that's that's 30 yards. Yeah. And then the, I think Derry put out their own angle then, didn't they, on Twitter. I thought that was the, the clincher. It, it yeah. didn't make it look as bad as that. But, I mean, See, some people were saying it was 30, 40 yards. You could actually on. you could use the advertising boards as a measurement, and I think they're uh, ten yards. <laughs> so if you would actually mark where the ball went out and where scales gets, it's around ten yards, maybe slightly over ten. But you know what? As well, if you look at every throw in that exists and that has ever happened and never will happen, they all walk forward about five yards. Oh yeah, they all walk forward about 100%. five yards. So listen, it was 
ref got it wrong. But it just, <laughs> when you listen to the podcast during the week, the, the, the length just grew and grew with each passing yeah, yeah. day. It went 40. from 10, well, 40 15, was the most I heard. 20, 20, 25, 30, nearly 40. I heard 40. Someone said 40. Um, yeah, but listen, it happens. It happens and you, you, you move on. I mean, we've been at the, the butt end of bad decisions for a long time now. The balls, two men that, that got put down. Mm-hmm. Um, as I sent off I mean we've we've had so many bad decisions against us so listen it swings and roundabouts it happens we could get screwed over next week or in Dundalk or anything like that but the only thing I will say now is like we're we're getting nothing now we are getting nothing <laughs> off refs from now on <laughs> at all because this is such a highlight now and didn't he pull up three people for throw-ins just uh, just after yeah, that they forgot yeah. like he knew but didn't Higgins throw the ball on the pitch when when we were when we were in possession as well? Apparently that doesn't matter anymore. If there's two balls on the pitch, but they're not interfering. But with why play. would he do that? He tried to interfere with play. Do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. surely he'd be sent to the stands for that. But you're, they're but, right though. But like, if, if the ball is on the pitch down in one end of the goal and they're attacking the other one, that's no. Don't pull it up. There's no, no. point. But that's what Derry Perez were protesting. I suppose they were protesting that scales had, had moved too far forward, but they were actually giving out the extra ball as well, I think. Doesn't matter whatsoever. It's only if it gets in anyone's way or if it's in the direct line of the ball itself. No, it's, mm. it doesn't matter. But, um, yeah, but James Lowe, friend of the show, if he got that ball and he was supposedly 35 yards away in four seconds, he'd have been jogging at 30 kilometres an hour and that's me on the bike going down the Nailstown Bridge <laughs> at 30 kilometres an hour do you know what I mean on the push yeah. bike that's not a chance Scales he would be able to generate that that quickly it actually just got funny girl, how angry people got about this oh, right. uh, points deduction um, <laughs> everything ref getting uh, his, his his whistle taken <laughs> off him corruption corruption FAI darlings we are not darlings is the last thing I call us at the FAI the last thing I call us the irony is the ref was crap the whole game it wasn't like he was blown in favour of us the whole game he was actually shit for both teams yeah he was consistently shit but at least you know he got at least he was shit for both you know what I mean oh, I just I love the rage I must say yeah it is it's great hooking it to the veins and you also notice Brazzer is being criticised for his post-match. What's it called? He called him classless. Wow, win with class, lose with class. Yeah. I remember that clip that Merrill put up after we beat balls recently. The the the, the um, Keith Long interview after Lee Grace had got a penalty and a red card right. given against him for the ball hitting him in the face. Yeah. And Keith Long says, contentious decisions, but I think the referee gets them right. Now, can you recall any criticism of Keith no. Long after that? No, definitely not. I can't think of anything. No, it's just like you said, the, was that, the target any, is on our back. Did anyone call him classless? No, no. Well, that's it, because we are the focal point. Do you know what I mean? That's just what people do. They focus in on rovers and they love to kick us when we're down. But we're up at the minute. That's the funny thing. And um, you've got, like, like Brad, I thought Brad was okay. I mean, he said he was happy that we switched on, like. Now we have quotes from here. That's good, I like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, I like that. So uh the Gannon Chance prop, eighty minutes. These are these are ones we should be putting away really, aren't they? Yeah, he should score here, shouldn't he? I mean Gannon is um he hasn't got started yet, let's say. We'll be we'll be nice about it and say he just he needs to get going. Maybe there's something underlying we don't know about. I'm hoping there's not, but I'm hoping to see him kick off on Friday. Because he's in my starting eleven. That's a little taster. But Gannon is going to be a moist down 11 anyway. The hard red. You've not made to choose from, have you? No, I don't think so. Jesus. 
No, not at all. Hard red on 83, Prof. It was red. Second yellow all day. Yeah, this was a trip. Very, very silly tackle. Mm. Plus, he, he was a bit melty at the officials the whole game. So he wasn't doing himself any favours. That's in him. That's the dark arts he learned under I Kenny. I won't, I won't even repeat what he said to Michelle because it could have different connotations. He but, said, uh, I hope you have a lovely day. It was something like that, Gary. It really was. And while we were down to 10 men and they had the man advantage, I, I want to mention Lopez. Crucial interception. Oh, man. This was brilliant. I love these interceptions. I just would say, these are yeah. just as good as goals. Yeah. Do you know what? Pico's uh, reading of the game and his timing when he's in like a one-on-one duel. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of a defender who's better in the league. No, no, I don't think so. Now, in saying that, the Longford Penno was a little bit poor on his part, but I mm. know what you mean. Like, do you know the funny thing is as well? He seems to make up the ground every time. So let's say they're true on goal. You know he's getting there. Yeah. You can tell straight away by his speed and by the trajectory that he's just going to get there and make the tackle like it's deadly. And you're just yeah. waiting on it, you know? It's just as good as a goal at times. Uh, good news as well with Edomo. Imaku, a big man for 17. He made his first team debut in the 88 minute, only 17 years of age, Prof. So, very, very good news. Producing more from our youth system. Yeah, we, we have a... a piece from Robert later on where he's going to tell us a little bit about these uh, teenagers that we don't know much about including Imaku so he's a winger Robert says they're, oh, they're in short supply these days yeah Jesus they're, they, they're nearly dead from the game mm-hmm. uh, so no late winner this time prof and I, I was nearly expecting it at this stage <laughs> I was just thinking w- w- what do you mean we haven't scored a late winner like? <laughs> Bradley Hill Bradley Hill yeah yeah he didn't mention the Lafferty red card there. No, the, yeah, the Lafferty red card was a red card. It wasn't. That, was, that was an injury time. Yeah, the, we were just about to break from our own box. And Lafferty basically body-checked Berkey. Yeah, it's what you do, isn't it? You so, do what you got to do in times like that. So that evened up the numbers again, 10 v 10. Uh, that was the man who freshed the cornflakes from the Abbo. Yeah, that's it. When we celebrated the cup. You, no, it wasn't. It was a turn your name, wasn't it? Sure wasn't the Abbo. I think he went into the turn your name. He could have done it twice. The both, maybe. He may own our scoffing them anyway. Yeah, one of the criticisms after Pats was that we didn't wake up until they scored. Well, they only scored three minutes into the match, but would you say that was the case here again? Um, I think um, I think our I think our creative play was affected by Watts when he went off. So people but, said lack of urgency, but the lack, yeah, it, it was one of those. You now at the start of the season when we weren't great and we were struggling to create, it was just a little bit like that. But then again, we had good chances, so. We just we mm. didn't click yet. It's all about. Um, we thought we were only talking about last week about our, our starting eleven's getting solid. Mm. Now it's been turned upside down, you know. Derry were better than I thought they'd be. Well, prof, listen. I won't say what happened at the start of the season, you know. Oh, they're, they're not going to finish anywhere near third, <laughs> but uh, they were well organised and they didn't park the bus around them like they. No, they, they were decent. I think teams need to realise that's what they need to do against Rovers, though. They need to come and play because if they sit back, they'll be fucking battered. And we'll just hold on to possession and wear them down, and eventually they lose. So I think they need to realise what's the what's the worst thing that could happen? You're gonna lose. Let's go for yeah. it. Let's go for obviously. Like to to win those sort of games, we would have needed a bit of magic from Berkey or Mandrayu. Yeah, I think Mandrayu had a bit of an off day. Yeah, he's uh, he's been he's been busy though. You know, he has yeah. been busy. And plus, it's been a it's been a long week or two as regards to games. And maybe, I mean, the conditions won't help you either, you know. You've probably tired legs. So, not the worst result in the world, though. And, you know, 
it, it put an end to our seven game winning run sadly but still yeah we're still unbeaten and listen we're in a good position in the league can't be too, too unhappy about it 33 games unbeaten and still boiling piss exactly <laughs> speaking of boiling piss uh, Bradzer he had this to say about throwing gate. It was very clever from Liam. The Derry City players were waiting for the ball that went out and Liam went and picked up another one and he played on. He saw it early, hurt them and we got a reward. And let's talk about the finish. I'm going to continue on with Bradzer's uh, quote but Jesus, the finish. This hasn't been talked about at all. Throwing is taken away from the fact how good of a finish it was. Yeah. So I'd be more upset with my players for switching off to be honest rather than the referee if it happened to Rovers. We all know the multi-balls are there. You're told in advance of the game so it's there and both for both teams so it's no surprises. We play it every week. Players run and take the nearest ball. If we're going to start asking the referee to spray where the ball goes out we're going to be in trouble. Uh John Harper came up with a cracker as well, aka Jason Bourne. He had a joke here, Prof. Yeah, somebody in the League of Ireland group chat asked, "What's the story with Tala? Why are the seats coloured green, white, red, and yellow? Just curious." And John Harper replied, "It's to confuse refs and linos, so we can take throw-ins from wherever we want." <laughs> I think it confused Earl John as well, and that Penno was still hurtling through space. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So. It, um. Yeah. Like. I mean. Once again. It. I didn't see anything really classes about that. I mean. The, the multi-ball system is there. We took advantage of it. And. I mean. That's football. So is Alan, Alan Colley all of a sudden the most honest footballer in the world, and obeys every rule and letter of the law. Get a grip, man. Will you? Mm-hmm. Quick thinking by scales and. Super work by our East Ham ball boys. Exactly. exactly. Age is just a number, Gar. It is. It is just a number. Um, fair play to the boys. So we extended our lead over Pats anyway, Prof. Six points. Five over Sligo. And they're eventually awarded Trina walkover against Waterford. And do you know what I was thinking? Did Waterford think to themselves, okay, we could go down on goal difference. Instead of getting spanked 8-0, we'll just forfeit and lose three. They're probably looking at it thinking, we're going to get beaten 8 or 9 nil, And they just thought, okay, Let's forfeit it and we'll lose training. Yeah, we, we talked about it last week. It just <laughs> makes the league look a bit ridiculous. <sighs> that's it. So, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> One thing that kind of went on the radar, Brazzer actually gave his opinion on this. He said whatever should have played the game. Because it would have been a valuable experience for their 19s. I agree. And he reckons whatever would actually have good young players. I agree, yeah. And that's, obviously you'll have counter-arguments there. And My say, argument would be... We don't all have Rovers... Uh, provisions and resources fucking usual shit. in the circumstances though with the lockdown and having not trained in months so that, Shut up, that was the issue though wasn't it Brazzer listens to this now I hope you know <laughs> he's never going to talk to you again I interviewed um, Rory Gaffney afterwards the goal scorer he's, he's claiming the what goal what a finish we didn't talk about his finish yeah he's claiming the goal on Sligo and I didn't have the heart to tell him it's been taken away from oh, no. the ginger Messi the ginger Messi and this finish was brilliant it was arrowed into the bottom corner like it was a really hard finish player in front of him acute angle bravo uh, Rory Gaffney brilliant finish it's a bit like the Dan Kerr goal now no one will ever talk about it yeah they'll just remember the throw-in stupid throw-in yeah very happy with the finish though and he started the motor now joined top goal scorer up there with Foley and I think Mark Doyle as well is up there so oh so you're giving the goal in Sligo oh, well officially on RTE he's getting the goal on RTE he has the goal they haven't done his five yeah, depends but he can't give RTE really RTE is not a credible source nowadays <laughs> is it no speaking of which Gar uh, yeah 
So, uh, yes, we, uh, in Donegal, Dundalk were held to a one all draw against the home farm side. As Tony Dunahoo called him an RTE. Wow. <laughs> home farm side. Yep. Tony sticking the knife in. Haven't heard that since the 90s. Yeah, home farm. Uh, Drada beat St. Pat's 3 1 at home as well. And um, this was a super result for them. And some really good goals. Dave Massey roll, reeling back the ears, reeling in the ears, rolling back the ears. And uh, this was unstoppable. Left foot, strike, top corner. Your, uh, I think Young Phillips. Or was it Doyle? Young Phil, I think it was Mark Doyle with another screamer on his right foot. And then Jordan at Ayamo finishing it off. I don't even care who scored for Pats. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this, now, in fairness, right? I think they, there was two crackers. like Doyle and um, Massey scored two crackers. Out of nowhere. Out of blue. So that's... No matter what, that's hard to come back from. Do you know what I mean? Um, like you could be playing really well, but they're two goals down from two screamers all of a sudden. So I think uh, I don't know. Would you look too much into it? But that's a, that's a lot. Uh, I can't. I can't say I I predicted that result, but I did actually expect Drogheda to comfortably finish mid table this season. I just thought Clancy's well, that's a, not much of a stretch now. In fairness, Clancy's a good manager. And they, Technically toward his mid-table They signed well No it's not good So I'm still no. up there No <laughs> For Derry You're nowhere near up there But uh, <laughs> Bowles win a 2-0 at Longford as well uh, Bert Bert Bertie scored a A, a nice, a nice goal there Young Dawson the boys Starting to impress again Just uh, keep him Tipping away there Bowles We'll take him mm. off you next year Just keep the We'll keep the 9 Terry Egan You know <laughs> If we want them, we'll, keep, we'll swoop in. Just keep the nursery open there. Thank you very much. Um, Aaron McInef, Prof, he is back on LOA Weekly this week and I'm a little bit into it at the minute. I haven't finished it, but I'll get into Aaron and uh, his thoughts on his new career and things like that. So look forward. I heard he spoke very well. I've not heard him myself, but... I'm looking forward to listening. Congratulations, he had a new baby as well. I don't know if we talked about that. We probably did, but congratulations to him and his lovely missus. Um, two birthdays as well on, oh no way two birthdays on Wednesday Neil Farouge and Alan Manis turned 39 Alan Manis is 39 a monster of a man and uh, Jesus fair play and oh, the older he gets the more I get upset <laughs> just thinking about having to replace him I'm pretty sure the last four <clears throat> 40 year old player we had was uh, Alan O'Neill Jesus in 1996 well. yeah once again once again or was he even 40 um Another more good news, Prof. The club has reached 550 members, so a solid, <laughs> solid uh, few quid coming in every month from 550 members. And it's uh, it's great to see, isn't it? I remember when we were about all four, you know. <laughs> you, you, sorry, Prof. How long are you a member, actually, by the way? You're well, just talking about me having 150 podcasts. I am going strong as a loyal member since way back in July of last year. <sighs> That's all, is it? 2012 for me you know during the tough years as well you know some people just jump on the bandwagon but every week I've had to hear from this guy about how like I just had to give up me sambo and me tea that's it every week at work and I'm a member curl two points in temple bar is all it was as we all used to say give up your chicken rolls make your own lunch but listen I was there during the hard times prof right Mm -hmm. you're just fucking jumping on the bandwagon we should separate those type of members actually can we separate you Glory Hunters from the real members I joined before we won the league though so I don't <laughs> think I should be a Glory Hunter um, yeah so uh, once again the inevitable move abroad has uh, beckoned from with Liam Scales terrible attitude this fella uh, injury prone <laughs> 
ter- like really bad. At- His attitude stinks. If yeah. any Scottish podcasters are listening, don't sign this guy. No, I wouldn't sign him. I don't fancy. I don't, you no. don't fancy him at all. Can Sean O'Hara keeps launching these diagonal balls at him, and he he can't even take them down. No, they just go for throw-ins. And you want to see which he then takes it like fifty yards up the pitch. Tried to score this bear camp s goal before, and I think he nearly did his Achilles. Yeah. So it's no. not on YouTube. Don't look for it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so listen, don't don't even worry about it. He's brutal. But Scalesy, yeah, Scalesy, terrible. Yeah, so we know uh, some of our potential Champions League opponents, Prof. Uh, it is a daunting list. Um, I have a theory on this, right? Did I talk about my Bodo Glimpt theory? You certainly did not. I I think, right, Bodo Glimpt won the Norwegian League last year and they lost all their goal scorers, all their pacey wingers. They lost everybody, right? Didn't really replace them. Now they've won two games last time I checked, which was last Saturday. So they won two games. I think they're a small little club up north in Norway. Smaller than Bran. I think those I think Bodo Glimt could be a team to look out for to see how they're keep an eye on them, right? Keep an eye on Bodo Glimt. Just like Derry. So we'll keep an eye on them, but we know some of them. And the draw will be made on June 15th and the first qualifying round toys are July 6th and 7th and 13th and 14th. So Rovers are unseeded and the likes of Red Star, Belgrade, Legia Warsaw, Dinamo Zagreb and Olympiakos are in there alongside with Malmo, Ferencvaros and Dinamo Tbilisi. I'm liking these pronunciations. You've always been chatting with Leon Pauls, have you? Yeah. Give me some <laughs> tips. I've been uh, doing a bit of a refresher course with my dialects, prof. But yeah, it's, uh, it is. None of those are none of those are easy toys. No. But I fancy my chances any time we play in Europe. It's, it's it's I really do. And are they gonna have two legs as well? I mean definitely. Yeah, I think you're right for saying there will be two legs, but uh, yeah, not a complete list, still a few leagues uh, undecided. But yeah. we did get some news in today, according to our coefficients expert, Dan Fulham. <laughs> Flora Tallinn today confirm themselves as seeded oh give us them so we'll take that give us them give us a trip back and to they Estonia. love that one of the best trips yeah. ever we weren't on it ourselves but from what we are told it was one of the better away trips I think there was segways getting hijacked there was Harry Krishnas there was uh, was that the one where <laughs> certain individuals had um, sumo wrestling matches and everything <laughs> I could be getting it wrong but either way it's a uh, Europe is Europe isn't it so we're going to talk about Glemalore Rovers, that legendary team that is, and they took part in a fundraising auction for Glemalore. Rovers did, our Rovers did, helped out Glemalore Rovers, and 2K was raised, so a lot of the fees, a lot of the kit, it's all going to be raised, and of course Leinster Credit got involved there as well. Uh, great guys. Great guys, really, really great guys. Yeah. So the winning bidders were Ferrugia number 19, Podrick McCormick, Marshall number 2, Alan Cox, Williams 19, Ratmines Hoops, and Lafferty. Number three, McDara, Ferris and Green was the big one. Five, 600 quid, this one bagged. Eddie Lawler took this one home. Eddie's your man who wears the mankinis. You ever see him? And, sur- and surfs in his front garden. I saw that picture. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Uh, uh, yeah, so great stuff there. Like That's going to be your pitch phase, your insurance. Hopefully some kit. Nice little kit off Umbro would be great. Uh, so yeah, anyone yeah. wants to help donate a few quid, get in touch. It's uh, it's undecided yet what league they're going to play in, but uh, I've been looking at some of the names of the other teams around there, and some of the ones that stick out are Team Zimbabwe and Rapmines Roosters. The Rapmines Roosters. Who are a team full of cops, apparently. Wow. There you go. Okay. Probably not a good idea to go into that league. 
and uh, I met young Connor Hosford there for the first time. Your arch nemesis. Uh, my arch nemesis, apparently. The world should have caved in on itself. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the young lad has been doing the media events at Rollstone for SRFC TV. Uh, he was down there for the... What was that part of The Simpsons? Where the two babies are looking at each other. Two babies don't like each other. One has, <laughs> one, has one eyebrow. And the other one... I think it's Maggie. Maggie hates the other, oh, the other yeah, kid yeah, with yeah. the one eyebrow. <laughs> well, that's what Tommy Keddy and Pat Tully, they're trying to stir up the shit between us now. And uh, he basically, <laughs> they basically threatened him and said, like, don't you be taking the prof job. <laughs> But don't mind them, Connor. Absolute wind-up merchants. You want to hear what he said off air, Connor? But yeah, so uh, great stuff for the lads and a few quid going into the puck, into the key of Glenmalore Rovers. And it is, it's actually expensive and there could be a Dublin derby, a real Dublin derby with the Black Forge, prof. So what we're hearing is the Black Forge, Connor McGregor's funded team. So the, the millionaires that are the Black Forge are going to take on the... the uh, the working class Glenmalore <laughs> Rovers. So the derby is, is on already. Um, Sean Cook as well friend of the show got Twiggy celebrating t- uh, on his leg the tattoo the Woody's one great great likeness as well brilliant stuff yeah this is a cracker cracker fair play Sean and uh, he'll be getting a Tifties one next he's getting his Tifties tattoo at the the next live show in crew tattoo in uh, Temple <laughs> Bar so fair play Sean good man looking like, forward to that yeah Sean Cook like father like son Gar. although uh, the son is not getting a massive Laurel and Hardy tattoo is he <laughs> covering the whole of his back. <laughs> Do you remember? We should we should replay this clip on the show sometime. Do you remember we had James on for the the live special. Oh my god! And we brought up and Nicky, like you asked the question. We're like, like yeah, it's really big, isn't it? And James just goes, yeah, <laughs> and everyone just laughed because we'd all seen it on the Facebook at uh, that point. He's fucking gas. <laughs> So Pico Lopez says he wants to face some Premier League big guns at the African Cup of Nations in January next year. And he said, I'm not thinking about it, but I'm dreaming about playing against Salah, Mane and Mares. And if you can get those three teams in my group, I'd be absolutely buzzing. Imagine that. He's living in Crumlin, sitting in the apartment, and then he's looking at the draw. He probably says to his missus, I'm going to have to cancel that date next week. I'll be marking Salah. Mare is going to be on me the week after that as well. You know, because could think of worse things to be doing. Yeah, brilliant stuff. It'd be brilliant if we can get a hold of them. They won't know what hit them. But the FA Cup final prop is on. Same time as Derry match. Great to see crowds again. 20k at Wembley. So, I think I saw a video of the Leicester fans that couldn't get in. And it was epic. Like, they really fucking, really loved this. Like, it was great to see. You know, it yeah. was... Do you know what I love? I love when fans run. When something happens, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's not the one where they just kind of get up and you know punch the air and they're like yes, and then they give it a clap. I love the ones when everybody just runs around and hugs. That's because you're a runner and jump. <laughs> I, can, I can speak from experience at away games. Gareth's first instinct is I was to run down or up steps. <laughs> and I've I've had a few falls. Remember Longford? And he doesn't always keep flat footing either. Do you remember Longford? <laughs> I went down about ten fl- to ten steps. The copper goes, "Jesus, that looks sharp." <laughs> yeah it was Give the fucking hand up But yeah no It's just running Hugging Jumping Tumbling Somersaults Everything It was brilliant I think it was in a beer garden Or something like that But uh, I'd, I'd hold nothing There's some great scenes At that FA Cup final In fairness At actually, the end With the owner's son I think it was Or the owner yeah, yeah. That was lovely Actually kind of surreal though Wasn't it Seeing mm. crowds again It was deadly Like a cracker of a goal Leicester win their first cup final 
first time with a proper crowd in over a year. It felt weird, didn't it's it? Absolutely brilliant. Looking at the fans celebrating and just thinking, ah, oh, it's coming, it's coming because once it happens in the UK, pretty much going to happen yeah. here, isn't it? Brother was happy for his mate Brandon, Brandon Rogers. Oh, Remember yeah, he said on the Brother cast? Yeah, that's it. Good pals with him. And we've seen a number of goal scoring goalkeepers lately, Prof. We've Allison for Liverpool, that was brilliant, that was a great header. Bournemouth goalkeeper Mark Travers scored a stoppage time equaliser, so X hoop. X hoops even getting in on the act. Um, in the Hampshire Senior Cup final shootout and the win that was a couple of weeks ago so they won that one last month in the Cup St. Johnston knocked out Rangers out of the Scottish Cup when keeper Xander Clark sounds like uh, something out of DC Comics doesn't it Xander Clark saved two spot kicks having come up for the last corner and he made a 1-1 the last minute of extra time so um, he's uh, he's claiming that one anyway so time for a Tifty's Rewind Prof uh, to the time we asked Alamanis about scoring from his own box for Linfield 2003 and Connor Cairns who netted from a spectacular bicycle kick for UCD under 19s in 2017 and the video went viral and he recreated the goal on Soccer AM so here's Big Al and Cairnsy but um, so you scored a goal from the run of play as well I didn't know this prof not many goalkeepers can say that in a match against Oma Town 2003 surely you remember that one yeah, I remember, of course. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was a run down. One of them days. It was. Uh, so all sorts went on in the game. I think we had a man sent off, so we were ten men. It was quite early on as well. It was at Windsor Park. Um, it was very windy that day, and it had been raining, so it was wet as well. And uh, I had the ball in my hands, and um, I just kicked it as, as far as you could basically aiming for the striker which was Glenn Ferguson I think at the time um, all I was trying to do was get a you know, good distance onto the try and cause their defenders some problems um, and the wind just caught it as well And um, Did it bounce before going? It bounced and the goalkeeper was kind of off his line the goalkeeper did actually have a bit of a, a knock on his back he'd taken just a few minutes before that but um, <laughs> he was Stars aligned yeah, he was kind of off his line a bit with, and just kind of misjudged, I guess, and it, it, it hit the ground and sort of skidded a bit with the, the wet um, wet grass and went over his head and went in and it surprised me as much as anybody. What was the celebration? For me, I would have I would have just asked him to take off, say, I'm done. Take me off. I'm done. Yeah, Career's my, over. My career's peaked. <laughs> peaked. Yeah, I just put my, I think I just put my hand in the air and yeah. just kind of like, kind of probably turned around and, and as I say, surprise and people just started running over to me and it was kind of, <laughs> it was funny. And then the second half, um, as I say, we had been at 10 men and then the second half, we ended up winning 2-0. The second goal was scored by Noel Bailey. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he played over a thousand games up there for Linfield. He was there for 20 years or something, like a, a legend, obviously, up there. And um, He was a sweeper, um, so he rarely scored as well, so it was funny after the game. The you and him yeah, scoring. I goal. said to him, like, why, are you, why are you copying me? Why can't you just let me have the glory? But it was, it was a, fu- a funny and good day for us. So I alluded to it a second ago, before you even make your first team debut for UCD, you find yourself going viral because in an under-19s game against Cork, you went for up for a corner in the last minute and you scored an outrageous bicycle kick. So yeah. describe this moment. You probably talked about it many times, but not in Johnny Blues. So. Never get sick of it, don't worry, it's fine. Um, yeah, went up for a corner, went to Cork, we'd never picked up a point down there. And a decent side. Yeah, Cork are a very decent side. Um ball broke in the box and uh, I still I, looking back on it now I've absolutely no idea because it wasn't the most necessary thing to do I had a, lot, ahead, of, I had a lot of time and space <laughs> but uh, yeah went for it and uh, I actually still remember looking over my shoulders in the ball going in and the pure 
just hysterics of laughter like mugged everyone off <laughs> uh, ran off to the corner doing the Alan Shearer celebration and then uh, ended up on Soccer AM to Wisco yeah. it's quite Two odd that the ball got lofted up it was yeah I don't even know in how that position it just seemed really odd that it would set, sit up for you so perfectly I have that moment. The header. You I the went, header I won, yeah. won the first header and then someone had a shot and like a crowd of bodies and I thought I'd love to see how it ended up popping up in the other way it did because it was a keeper a defender and a striker mm-hmm. just hit the ball at the same time and it went up mm-hmm. and a mate mine Dave Coffey was actually playing a goal and he'd had an unbelievable game that day we'd pepper him and uh, I remember driving out of the car park and he just drove past me flipped me off out the window <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that surprised that you scored because every week you come in and say if Tampa Lock happened to have a bad result I should be playing up front and I should be, I should be <laughs> scoring goals because he, he was playing outfield the only reason he went in goal really was because he was the best out of the bunch there and they'd yeah, no natural goalkeeper yeah. like he, he fancied himself to get into every team playing outfield as well yeah. I heard you say you don't ever watch it back because you'd like to just have your own memory yeah. of it. My mum, on the other hand, loves watching it back. Yeah. When we used to be, after that happened, we'd try to go to sleep. My mum would have it on TV turned up full volume <laughs> over and over and over again. No, I don't like watching it back because I've watched, obviously watched it a few times, but I prefer like the memory of it. It's the same thing with, like, I don't think I've watched a video of us lifting the league trophy since mm. that night. I don't like re-watching those things over and over again because I like having that vivid memory of what the moment itself was like um, and I'm glad I didn't watch it back too much because I can't hold on to that now for I've watched it a few times yeah. Yeah. I have I have seen it could have have taken it down and yeah, could have made that yeah. song much simpler central option yeah so that was the boys um, fair play to them more goals so I'd love to see Man score again you know he's a presence in the box that's for sure but now we're going to have our chat with a good Rovers fan Billy Nolan and he's living behind enemy lines for a long, long time now. And uh, he's near those fiends at Oriel Park. So uh, here we go. Uh, so, Billy, welcome to the show. Uh, I'll start by asking you, how did you get into Fallen Robbers? And do you remember what your first game was? Jesus. Yeah, how's it going? Thanks for having us on, first of all. Uh, how did we get into Fallen Robbers? Well, I suppose it's, it's a long time now. It's... Uh, I think my first first games first games of Rovers would have been around around eighty two. Um, my grandfather, that's now my, my mother's dad, he was born in uh, he was born up in Windy Arbor and uh, so he was a regular at Milltown for always and ever, you know. So uh, when we were growing up obviously it was always Rovers, talking about Rovers, talking about Rovers. We used to go he used to go to the games with his uh, his two brothers, uh, and they were known as the Mac brothers and uh, he stopped going I think he stopped going to Milltown around the early seventies. Uh the two brothers had passed away and uh he, he wouldn't go on his own, basically, you know. And it's like everything else. You, think, it's, you know, everyone talks about the. It's not just. It's not just the ninety minutes of the football profits about fucking. You know, a few points beforehand. You know, traveling up to the game. Um, you know, discussing the match afterwards. All that kind of crack. You know. And uh, obviously, he'd done that for probably 40, 50 years with his brothers, you know, and uh, he just never went back, you know. But um, he always used to be on to me. He brought me to Harold's Cross a few times in the, jeez, let's say, mid-70s. I think Shells were down in Harold's Cross at the time. And uh, he brought me down to see them a few times. And that was me first start. We were living in Tallet. So we, we, used to live in, uh, we used to live in Cork Street till probably mid-70s, I'd say. And then we moved out to Tallet uh, about 70. 
like geez, living in Tallaght, like we were out in Springfield, it was like fucking middle of now. So uh, we were out there, and so yeah, we, my father, my grandfather lived in Crumlin, so we'd come in and see him. He'd take me to the odd game, and um, you know that, that's where I got a bit of an interest, I suppose, in football. You know, but he'd always, he'd always not to be mother. He'd be saying to me, "Now, you know, when you're taking this young fellow to see to see uh, Rovers, when you're taking him up to Milltown, blah blah blah." Well, like that, out Tallis Sunday afternoon, fucking trying to get to Milltown was probably a bit of a fucking nightmare, you know. But uh, I think then we started playing a bit of ball myself. Um, like underage football and that I started started getting a bit of a bug for, for, for football, you know, probably ten, eleven. And uh he was playing out in well, he was playing out in Cherry Orchard, he was playing out in Barry Fair, playing with the Orchard and uh Richie Bailey. Richie Bailey was at Rovers at the time and Richie used to come training with us at once uh, at some stages and Richie ended up he, he was our coach uh, up to probably I think under fifteens or something he was with for a good few years, but uh, we had a great team. Jesus, great team. I remember Steve, Steve, Steve O'Brien, good, good uh, keeper. He had a good career in the league. He, he was with us. That called Davy Collins, big centre half, went to Liverpool. With a great, 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 great squad. But uh, started, started then taking a bit of an interest, obviously with Richie there. And, that. and I, says, I remember saying to my mama, I says, uh, "Can we go up to Milltown, you know, and see Rovers?" So um, I wouldn't ask me Dan. My dad was from the city centre. You see, he didn't have interest in football at all. To be honest with you, he just sort of. Uh, he was more into hanging out with snooker halls and that type of stuff, you know. So I went to Milltown, yeah, 81-ish, 82-ish. Well, it wasn't really till 83 that I started sort of going properly, you know. And uh, I remember going, uh, Carolyn, it was, um, I used to go into school, you know, on the Monday morning and one or two of the teachers would say, oh, I seen you up in Milltown yesterday, you know, and uh, you're always fine. I'm only started going, blah, blah, blah. But, there, so so I think between you know between the the the, the skill thing, um, as you say, you know, starting to play a bit of ball, playing playing for the club, then with Lisa Richie there, it was all sort of sort of sort of the Rovers jigsaw sort of fell into place. If that makes sense, you know. So uh, once that happened, whatever that was, eighty three was it was it was uh, it was fucking it was uh, you were hooked after that, you know. Uh, we had Harry Kenny on the show there a few weeks ago, and of course you. <laughs> You sent in that question about when he worked at Quinsworth in uh, Fingers Village. He didn't remember your name initially, but then it did seem to jog his memory a bit. And he uh, he vehemently denies the shenanigans with the, the knickers on his head. So we need your version of events, Billy. To be honest, you know, if, you, if you listen back to that, if you listen back to that, Harry, when you ask him the question, there was a fucking, it was, I won't say an awkward silence, but there was a silence, you know. <laughs> And, uh, and then he just broke his bollocks laughing and he says ah but then he's dropped he's remembered you know so uh, so that was good enough for me now I, uh, yeah he's uh, and I, I, I actually I'll tell you how I think how that started, how that gathered a bit of pace I, I think he was caught by a regional manager or something like that who was in on a visit <laughs> you know Harry was an awful messer you know he was an awful messer but uh, we walked him for a bit of time up in Stevens Green as well and uh, in Lloyd style there I said, Jesus, the cracky, the, the Spanish students be coming in, you know, and, you know, Stevens Green was sort of, obviously the posh place at the time to shop up Graft Street and all that, and he had, but all the Spanish students be coming in, what he wouldn't be saying to them, what he, you, you wouldn't get away with it now, put it to you that way, you know, but uh, Gas Man, yeah, great, great crack. He actually, he, he actually had, he, he was going to sack me one time uh, when, when <laughs> he was walking in Fingers. He was, he was a regional manager. 
and I, I don't know what I hadn't done. I, I hadn't, I don't know, it was some kind of, I won't say, a, it was probably a minor misdemeanor in hindsight, you know, but uh, I think only because of the old Rovers connection, so I, I kept my job, you know, but uh, yeah, gas man. I actually I remember from, he misses his front Dundalk, you know, so uh, he, he, I met her obviously when I came up here, first of all, but uh, I was, we were only together a couple of years down in Dublin, probably mid nineties, you know. And uh, I remember I was in there. Uh, I think it was in Henry Street, and uh, at the top of Henry Street, and me, Mrs. Uh, he says, "Oh, there, there's Harry. That this is uh, he used to walk places. He, he, he still walks with lifestyle. Blah blah blah." Uh, so he was all past. Oh, how are you, Bill? How was going? So we're talking away for a few minutes, you know. So he says, uh, "It's your mat." He says, to me. "Oh, he says, uh, yeah." He says, "This is Amory." He says, "This uh, is where he's down from the dock, you know." Oh, you're up, up in the big smoke for the day, eh? He said to her, he says, what do, you, what do you make of them, he says, you know? So he's pointing at the double-decker buses, you know? <laughs> so uh, she, she, she says, what are, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? He, said, he says, I wouldn't think the buses, do you have them and the dogs? She says, oh, yeah, we buses, but they're, they're not, they're not, uh, they're not uh, double-decker ones. She says, no, they're only, you know, single ones. She says, oh, yeah, talking away, he went off anyway. <laughs> so he's towards her, she says, Who's that prick again? <laughs> that was him all over. He was a sneer. Like, but yeah, great guy. Great guy. Fairness to him. You know, as he said himself last week, with, uh, with, the, with, the, with the career in Lloyd's Doyle and Queens, or like myself, like, I mean, I still work for, for Tesco, you know, and uh, it, it started off in the Lloyd's Doyle and the Queens were days, you know. But uh, yeah, so I'm I sticking to the story and the knickers in the head, to be honest, you know. <laughs> What was it like working with him and then seeing him on the pitch? He obviously had some success with Rovers. Like, was there, was there a lot of banter like in the stand? Uh, look, I'm gonna be honest with you. He used to be because we don't. He was obviously a bit older than me, and we sort of used to have to try and draw the line. You know that kind of a way uh, with work. You know that kind of a way. But because uh, he was my boss as well, you, you couldn't go too far. You know that kind of way. Uh, yeah. you, you know, you'd be more or less just talking about the game, uh, talking about the game, what's going on, how things were going, blah blah blah. Um, like it was all, it was all fucking. Like at this stage, then, prof, it was like the eighty. You're going into the nineties at this stage. I had moved from dark in ninety three or something. You know, like so. Uh, that's when I started working with him. I wasn't working with him in the heydays, as well as at the eighties when we were winning hand over fist. You know, but uh, it was, uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I worked like I mean, I worked like a good few. Like, I mean, I, but I used to be. I won't say no, but I, I used to. I couldn't believe like you know like that. Pat Bourne, Pat used to come training uh, with us in the skill team, you know. Um, uh, Pat Bourne, our our uh, our uh, soccer coach in, in Dream, John Malloy, great football man he was, and uh, Pat I think went there skill as well. But he used to get Pat up to uh, up to do a, a few drills, with us and a bit of training and that, you know. But uh, we used to be just an oh, fucking these lads, and that's being honest with you. I was never really into the English football or whatever. I remember, I actually remember, I think it was about fourteen or fifteen, and Kevin Keegan. Came, came training with us up in Cherry Orchard, you know. Uh, it was probably actually probably 13, 14. And that didn't take a fucking, that didn't take a fidget on me, as they say, you know. Like, I was more, you know, starstruck and Pat Bourne come and fucking train with us, you know, that kind of a way. So uh, it was, uh, it was great. It was great. It was like, I mean, it was nearly like, though, uh, how do I say this? The League of Ireland at that time, even had another manager who was a big Bowles fan. Harry mentioned him as well last week. He was my manager for about two years, you know, and it was like good old banter, you know, it was great old banter, to be honest with you. But it all, 
it's like, if it's like an old fucking League of Ireland family, if that makes sense, you know, that kind of way, because obviously not everyone was into it, it's not everyone's cup of tea, you know, but uh, it was always there with me and people then that I fucking either worked with or hung out with, you know, that kind of way. So you're from Dublin uh, originally, but uh, your work is taking you to Dundalk and you live uh, very close to that crowd at uh, Oriel Park, so how long have you lived there and what's it like being a Rovers fan? behind enemy lines yeah. especially the last few years <laughs> yeah well, I, tell you, I, I was 50 last year Carl right and I, I'm fucking so I moved up here in 90 early 94 you know I spent, I spent more than half my life living in Dundalk than I have in fucking Dublin you know like, it's mad when I think about it you know but uh yeah, I remember. I'll never forget it. It was it was it was around January '94, and as I said, we were working in Lifestyle in Merion at the time. And uh, you know, you, you, they, one of the bosses came in and have a word with you, the usual crack. So you always knew there was something up. You were doing move or something because you, you got moved around every year, a year and a half, just to keep you on your toes. You know that kind of a way. So uh, he says to me, he says, uh, he says, look, he says, I hear the year, year a year and a half. He says, well, this, he says, we're opening up a new shop. He says, good opportunity for you. He says, a few extra quid, good experience. He says, you've never opened a new shop, blah, blah, blah. He says, yeah, that's great, yeah, no worries. So uh, he says, uh, says, when do you want me to start? He says, well, look, next Monday, the shop's not open for six weeks, but he says, there's team building and, you know, we need to get the shop open and ready and all that. So he says, next Monday. So... I was walking out of the office and I said, fuck, I never even asked him where it was, you know. I said, where, where about? And he says, uh, don't talk. And to be honest with you, Carl, the fucking floor, I tell you, could have just opened up and swallowed me. <laughs> Believe it. I nearly shit myself, I swear now, because my memories, my memories in Dundalk, like that, is like, I mean, in and out of that shed, in the, uh, you know, and fucking, you know, getting lashed out with stones, bricks, bottles, all sorts. Even my ma, my ma, as I said, my ma is the one I was saying to Ed Saul a couple of years ago over in Glasgow about Rovers and my ma getting me into Rovers. I think his ma got me into Rovers as well, he was telling me, you know. But, uh, I remember my ma got fucking, my ma got split in Route 86 with a fucking brick in fucking, in Oriel, you know. And uh, she ended up getting six stitches in her head, you know. But, uh, I had visions, I said, oh no. I said, the only worst place could have been gone to was Limerick, I think, to be honest with you, you know. But Dundalk it was, you know. And I said, so, I said how long is it going to be? He said, about a year, year and a half. I said, for fuck's sake. Look, it was either take it or sink or swim. You, you know, you couldn't turn around and say, no, I'm not going. You, you, you were out of a job, basically, you know. But uh, I went up, yeah, I went up around February fucking 94. It was it was a rude awakening, I'm going to be honest with you, because I, I was, I'd worked a good few years in, in Lifestyle and Mary Street, and that was a tough old gig. Like, I mean, dealing with, you know, you were dealing with fucking shoplifters then. Which you know, was rows day in, day out. I was out in Janelle and the old English for a couple of years. So I had that, from a war point of view, I had that attitude that you couldn't take any shit, you know, that kind of a way. And uh, to my detriment, I, I took that when I went to Dundalk as well, you know. But uh, I think what happened, my first week, I'll never forget my first week there, I swear to fuck, I was in a, I, I, I was in a, I was off on a tour state and I was living in a house of three other lads. They said it was up in a house and all. But the three boys, they weren't fucking football dudes at all. They were into two of them are Gaelic heads and the other fella think he's in the cares or something, you know. But he says, look, we were all off on a tour state. First week, we'll, uh, we'll go for a game of, of pill or something like that. <laughs> so so uh, I'll tell you where we went. Do you remember the bills or a couple of years ago? The beer garden got redecorated by, by the young lads. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was that bills, I believe it or not, you know. So uh, 
Anyway, he says, uh, so I got up that morning, I'll never forget, I went and got my haircut. I said, I'm going to get my haircut. And uh, I was talking, went into this hairdresser's and I was talking to this fella. And the usual, then, oh, you're not from here now, now, where are you from? Front old, not down. The usual, I've had that conversation probably 900 times. You know? But anyway, he says to me, uh, he says, oh, he says, uh, he says, uh, Tom McNulty won't be happy, he says, with the with the new sports shop opening, you know. So, uh, and uh, there's another chap called uh, Brendan Walters, had Emerald Sports, lovely fella, Brendan. But he says, uh, yeah, they won't be happy in their competition. And he says, oh, Tom McNulty, he says, the footballer, he says, is that fucking, yeah, he says, do you know him? He says, I just for football. Oh, are you into the football? He says, oh, yeah, of course. I'm a Rovers fan. Uh, he says, all right. So I was talking away anyway, so... Uh, he was finishing up, and I remember standing, and he, he, he's standing with the scissors in his hand. He says, "Do you remember that cup final in '87?" He said, and he says, oh, "Here we go." You know, he says, uh, "My brother." He says, uh, "He was his brother, his best mate." You know what the back of fucking, you know what the uh, shopping centre end at the Alier there, where you at the back of the terrace of the big drop. You know, so he says, uh, he says, uh, he says, uh, I think it was his brother. He says, "A couple of Rovers lads fucked him over the back of that." He says, "And broke both his legs." You know, I says, "All right, well, that's fair enough." You know, and it's like everyone else did that at the time. You don't know what way to take it. You know, they're, they're they're smiling at you when they're telling you these things. You you, you just know you're being real in, You know, and there's nothing you can do about. It. He yeah. says, "Oh, he's paying anyway," and he says to me, "He says." Uh, he says, the next time you're in, I might give the brother a shout. He'd love to come over and have a chat with me, you know? So, uh, he says, yeah, yeah. And I still, go, I still get my hair cut the same fella to this day. He's a lovely fella, you know? But to cut us long story short, that afternoon we went out to fucking play pool, of course. Fucking Muggins here had his fucking Rovers jersey on him in that boozer, you know? So, uh, it wasn't Dundalk lads. It was four lads from Logan. I ended up getting into a fucking Rovers, but uh, I took a bad down that day, all right, you know? But uh, that was that. That was on the... And I never... Yeah, that was on the, on the Sunday night then. I, I come back. I think we were having been playing Derry. Uh, and I think we got bet, to be honest with you. I can't remember. But I know I came home, got the bus back home, and the boys in the house were having a few drinks, and the music was on. There was a, a knock on the fucking door, you know? So uh, there was this old flat. Uh, he says, how you doing? He says, I'm your next door neighbour. He says, uh, and he's a man in his 50s now, but he had two massive big fucking dogs, German Shepherds, or not words, I can't remember what they were. And he says, I'll tell you what, lad, he says, the music's a bit loud. He says, I'm going to give you 15 minutes to turn it off. He says, and if you don't, I'll be back to you. He says, no, just knock in your door there. And he says, no, let the dogs loose in your house, you know. And he says, I, says, I remember lying in bed saying, what the fuck? It was like from dusk till dawn or something, prof, you know. It was just, it was just a weird weird week, you know, that kind of a way, and uh, he says, nah, this isn't for me, to be honest with you, but I'm fucking, I'm still here, you know, I'm still fucking here, but uh, it was, uh, it was mad, it was mad, great town, though, to be honest with you, I never, you came in, the social life, you know, was fucking mad at the time, you know, it was, the biggest night of the week was a Monday night, you know, you couldn't get into a nightclub, there was one nightclub open on a Monday, and uh, like that, 11 o'clock, fucking your doors closed great out crack you know but uh, yeah no look it was all good but I think I think what sort of you know what sort of say won't say save me but you know they, they they were doing really bad I know we won the league that year and they won the league the year after 94, 95 but for them it all went downhill to be fair you know um, and we, I mean, they were they were I think off from 97 and they were relegation and they came back up and then they were fucking so we weren't we weren't sort of boss award we weren't rivals that stage, you know, uh, and there was there wasn't that much animosity. The, the animosity I found was more the older generation, you know, the people my own age, you know, that kind of a way. The younger, the younger people didn't really give a fuck about Rovers and that kind of stuff. Even to this day, they, they they'll tell you that you know their their rivalry is 
more with Cork, you know, obviously over the, the last from, from five or six, from 15 or 14 through to 19, uh, in 2019 there, it was them and Cork, you know, so, uh, but it was tough, I'm going to be honest with you, yeah, like, I mean, you couldn't, I, I learned that day, you can't wear Rover stuff out, you know what I mean, you, you'd have to keep yourself to yourself, to be honest, you know, uh, uh, I remember we went to a League Cup, League Cup quarterfinal, jeez, I think it was a bank holiday fucking Monday, it was around September time or something, you know, and uh, October maybe, I think it was October bank holiday, yeah, and uh, they best hit one, and like that, there was no hoops, no, hardly any travelling fans around like that, and uh, I took it down that day as well, so my missus at that stage said, he says, you need a fucking sort yourself out, she says, here, right? she says, you can fuck off, you know, so uh, I, I had to keep the head down, that's being honest with you, you know, I had to keep the head down, but uh, now it's, uh, they're, they're good people up here, to be honest with you, you know, and uh, you know, it, uh, I can't say we don't take some satisfaction in seeing you know the way things are going for this year, you know. But uh, it's uh, no, they're good. Like, I mean, I had to enjoy years of it. And like that, you'd be gritting your teeth, and you know, I used to be saying to myself, because like that, you've kids and all, and you'd be saying, I don't want them getting any grief, and you'd be fucking saying, Oh, geez, yeah, you were unlucky last night, or you know, oh, yeah, you were fucking, you know, it's great now. Oh, yeah, group stages, that's great, you know, fair play. He's, oh, it's great to see the money coming into the league and all, and in, be, in behind your fucking heart is sinking. You know that queen, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. but uh, but yeah, you won't. You have to. But it, it's a it, it's a good old spot. It's a good. It's a good town, and it's a good football town, and that's you know, and it's good tradition, and that's what I like, like about it. You know, it's uh, it's tradition to be honest. You know, but uh, it's uh, it's not like I mean, I remember fucking. <laughs> I mean, I could be here, I could be here till the head, the cows come home, you know. The first, the first, the first couple of weeks up here when the shop opened, you know, it's these mad small things. You sort of say, Jesus Christ, what the fuck? We, we were telling me garden training or safety training or something the guards came in and uh, they, they were showing us how to do incendiary device checks you know it's great boy so every night at the end of every every evening at the end of the night when you were locking up the shop you had to go and check everywhere for incendiary devices now I mean you'd be going around fucking tracksuit pockets and inside the shoes and inside all the bags it'd take a good hour it'd take two or three people a good hour but like that's what you had they were the lengths you had to be I think the, the, the seats were didn't come in until the end of all August 94, you know, so uh, in the run up to even that, like, it was fucking crazy, to be honest with you, you know, it was, it was mad, but uh, it was them quirky little things that you start saying, Jesus, this wouldn't happen at home, you know, that kind of way, but uh, it's, uh, yeah, no, no it's, uh, it's, it's not the worst place in the world, to be honest, you know. And uh, I know your daughter uh, goes to school in Dundalk, and uh, some of her friends would follow <laughs> Dundalk, so tell us what she came home with one day there, Billy. Uh, God love her. She fucking. I tell you, she's uh, she's uh, she was eighteen a couple of weeks ago, Carl. Yeah, and to be fair, though, I used to take her to Tallaght. I used to take her to Tallaght. Like, yeah, uh, she's from she was no age, you know. And uh, it's sort of she used to love a Cooper man, and you, know, you get a free bag of crisps and all that, you know. But uh, and she never really got hooked on the football, you know, and um, she uh, she uh, she she. she she never got hit, but I, I used to have loads of row. She'd be decked out in Rovers gear and all. And remember the 2014, I think, well, they won the league. And uh, she was in primary school. And I thought, oh, Dad, we've a, we've a free dress day tomorrow, she says, you know. Uh, the Dundalk team are bringing around the trophy. So I said, yeah, no worries. Wear your Rovers jersey, pal. I says, they, they fuck 
be a bit of crack in the lunch, you know what I could boy. So she she ordered over stairs in earnestly. She was she no cop for really. what was going on, you know. Missus went fucking nuts, but uh, it was uh, it was uh, it got a bit of a reaction from 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 her the teachers. But yeah, she asked me. Yeah, she asked me a couple of years ago. She said, "Bah, she's uh, are you going to a match the weekend?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "Yeah, I'm Claire." She said, yeah, "Can I can I go to the game with you?" Or no, she said, "Can I go to the game? Can I go to a game at the weekend?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "Yeah." Well, I said, "I'd be in Dublin." I said, "But I can come home and get you." Oh no, no. She says, "Yeah, I want to go to I want to go to Ariel Park." And I, he says, Jesus, he says, I, I genuinely know, he says, she was probably 15 at the time, I says, I don't know, he says, I'm, I don't know, I said, I'll have to talk to your mom about this, you know, he was good, and that's being honest with you, Graf, he was absolutely good, and uh, so he says to me, I had a chat with her man, he says, no, I don't want her going, genuinely didn't want her going, you know, so uh, she, uh, he said, let her fucking go, she says, only a child, so he says, look, you can go if you want, but he says, you're not to go near the shed, you know, so, uh, but so she ended up, she, she got her jersey and tracksuit bottoms that week. I oh, had to fucking buy them for her in the Dundalk shop. <sighs> fucking torture going into the place. But, uh, yeah, she ended up not going. I don't know what happened, but she ended up not going. But, uh, yeah, since then, she doesn't go. She's now interested in football now, which is great. <laughs> but uh, a few of our mates like that, uh, a few of our mates, yeah, are Dundalk fans. And some of the young lads used to come in and like that. They'd have their own job jerseys now. Like, you know, but uh, Ronnie Youngflit. But she goes out with Youngflit now. He's a, he's a good lad, but he's a Gaelic man. He plays fucking. He plays for the Loud Miners, you know. So uh, I've a bit of a I've a bit of a soft spot now for Loud for the Gaelic, you know. But uh, nah, she's uh, in fairness. It was the worst thing I could have done was to to, to flick that whore prof, you know, uh, of what we had to endure over 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 through the years up in Dundalk, you know. So, uh, but my eldest girl, the eldest one, she lives in Dublin, so uh, she'd be sending me the odd pictures, you know. She'd be out and about, and she'd be. Look at this prick and be someone in a bow's jersey or whatever, you know. But uh, yeah, no, she's uh, no, they're good girls, you know. But yeah, not mad for the football, not mad for the football. So obviously, we're as you mentioned there, we're, we're loving the difficulty the docker in the moment, like their their erratic form and stuff, and they can't really protest much at the moment, can they? Like without the fans actually being at the game. And have you been reading recently that some of them are threatening to get our game called off on Friday? Yeah, like you know, I see that. And I says, "Jeez, the first one I seen was that they were going to protest on on uh, on Friday at six o'clock." You know, and I says, "Jesus, I says." Maybe I'll go up myself for a counter demonstration, you know. Fucking hulls, you almost hulls, you almost stay, you know. But uh, yeah, they're they're in a bit of a fucking shambles, and and to be honest, they. Uh, it's lo- it's a long, long time, uh, Carl, since we started, you know, like we'd be fucking taking the piss or that and like that with people, you know, around football and all that. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, and the, the, there is around, I, I don't get into it, them around the town at the minute because it's very, very sensitive, you know. People just can't, they're in disbelief of what, what's fucking, what's happening, you know, that kind of a way. It's, uh, they're just falling apart at the seams and never even mind on the park, you know, like, I mean, off the park, it's a mess. You've seen the whole COVID thing up in Belfast, you know, you know, rumours around going around about fucking messing around out in the golf courses, all this and that band from COVID, all this old crack, you know, and, uh, you know, but it, what everyone is saying up here is that they, they can't understand that the, the lack of fucking desire and the lack of, you know, passion or energy, whatever way you want to put it, you know what I mean, is, uh, 
is just it's just un, un, unacceptable for them, you know. But uh, but as I say, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I said this from the start. I said I thought the right, you know, 2018 peak six come in. They're what a money. Like, I mean, they're an investment company. They're not fucking here to fucking, you know, to to to, uh, to save the dock, you know, or be the saviors, or you know, they're an investment company. And if they're not making money. They'd be gone, you know. We're, we're not talking Premier League fucking dollars here, you know. So, uh, but it's just, yeah, they're not playing well. I think well, they've, they've only won two games, two out of eleven, so like, or two, two from the two, 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 two to start with. Like, I think they were back to back against Drogheda and Waterford, you know. So, like, they're hardly setting the world on fire, but. It's a it's it's a strange one. It's a strange one, and I know they took in fucking uh, some queer signings and all that. If Sean put lads there at the start of the season, yeah, it doesn't seem to be working out either. The whole manager set up, you know, Giovanni. He was living around the corner from me. Uh, there you see him out every every evening, be out walking, you know. And I have a Rovers flag, Rovers flag, you know, and it's in the boot of my mate's car, and I said, I must get that flag. Because it's it's a it's a it's a black one uh, with a with tricolor fucking surround, you know. And I said I'm gonna stop him someday, and he, I'll just take out the flag and ask him to take a picture, you know, with the flag, because he won't know the fucking difference to feel, you know, <laughs> just for the crack, you know. But uh, yeah, he like, that was a whole mess as well. And people, again, people used to say to me, Carlos, they they don't. Uh, he says he'd be open. when he came first. He was openly talking to people, saying. I really don't know what's going on. You know, it's, it's all we we get there together and we play with all this kind of stuff. You know, it was I think it all went downhill from there. To be honest with you, you know, but uh, no, it's not good. It's 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 not good. You know, um, and uh, like I said, they, they like even even last year with the fucking farce in Europe and getting fined and all that type of stuff. You know, but the, the biggest thing, to be honest with you, the biggest disappointment, and I know we all take the piss out of them about the ground. You know what I mean? And the odds are, oh, you know, I'd prefer to be winning games than fucking, you know, having a massive stadium and all that. But it's the, behind it all, it's it's the biggest disappointment up here is that they don't have decent facilities for the fans, you know. Whatever about for the players, they've done some good work on the gyms and the, the background kind of stuff, you know. Uh, but yeah, you know, the ground is just it's just unbelievably poor, you know. And uh, that's a big regret for them as well, you know. So uh, yeah, I think uh, it's a bit of a rude awakening for them to be honest with you, you know. And uh, I think it's a bit of a wake up call. It's a bit of a wake up call because we fairly since throughout. 2014 and 15 they've been they've been riding high and nearly getting a bit arrogant if that makes sense you know but um like what we, we normally are but uh now they're there you know they've um yeah i think the writing's on i don't know i just i don't don't have a good feeling for them that's been honest you know so you're an area manager for tesco now uh so can i ask you which oil are the cornflakes on uh yeah probably uh yeah, good question. <laughs> Moving on, next one. <laughs> well, my last question is: um, the, the 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 locals are obviously still smarting over Richie Tell, you know, choosing Shamrock Rovers over them. So, yeah. do you think Richie will do the business for us when he comes in in July? Not at all. Now, Richie's had it according to everyone up here. You know, <laughs> you'll never get them years. Yeah, Richie's had it. You'll never get them years again. You know, 30 goals a season and sure it was everyone else around him that was making him stand out, you know. But, uh, yeah, look, I think it's coming at a good time of the season, to be fair, you know. Uh, uh, we, you know, especially with the injuries, you know, mounting up in the middle of the park and that. Like, I mean, there's Dylan gone as well over the weekend. You know, we just disappointed because I think fucking Dylan's a bit of a standout this season, if I'm honest. You know, but uh, yeah, I think we we'll need it. I think I also think we need. Can we need? 
urgency, that bit of fucking zip, you know, that kind of it. And I think he'll bring that. You know, we looked very lethargic there this last couple of weeks, you know. Uh, I don't know what it is. I just how it looked very, very, very narrow. We'd no width, we'd no pace. We're just knocking the ball around like and he, I tell you what I thought he, the car we got a corner there what the ninety four or ninety four minute there on on, uh, on Saturday and I must have took about twenty five seconds for fucking someone to go over and take it you know and I sorry so that just is typified the game you know what I mean it was just nothing so I think it's coming at a really good time for us from an injuries point of view but probably from the way we're playing as well that we might just need a bit of a a bit of a uh, a bit of a catalyst or whatever way you want to put it there you know but um, yeah no I think it'll be good I think he'll do well for us to be honest with you now again it depends Playing, but you know, you'd like to. Has he still got that energy? Is he still gonna, you know, you, you won't get 30 goals a season, that but you know, what I mean, so you know, from what some of the boys, you know, Alfred, where he was, he was playing a little bit deeper and that, you know, so look, we'll see where he fits in, but yeah, I think uh, it, it, it's good to, to shake things up a little bit, if I'm honest, you know. Right, we'll leave it there. So I'm sure we have to get you on again, Billy, because I think you're full of stories, but uh, but for today, for today, <laughs> thanks very much for, for joining us, yeah. Yeah, no worries, Fab. Thanks, thanks very much. Good old Billy, taking a few slaps in his time, hasn't he? <laughs> Being a Rovers man up there it was a great interview, and I have to say it was great listening to listen to Billy talk and you get the odd question in. He talked for Ireland, um, wouldn't he? Barely got a word in there. I think the last time someone had did, did that to me was John Connolly. Oh, good old John. Yeah, so yeah. brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff from the lads, and great to hear from Billy. You'd, uh, you'd love to have a, a real old couple of points, wouldn't you? And, and just sit there and chew the fat and listen to all the real stories that he'd tell you off air. He's a gas man, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. Imagine. I'll tell you what, I felt from. Felt from. I know. When he talked about his daughter coming home with wanting to get Dundalk stuff. She came home with a Dundalk jersey. I could not imagine that. Like, if Jaden came home, I honestly, I'd have to call a family meeting. I'd have to say, right, this. What's going on? <laughs> like if he came home with like a ball jersey or something like that, I'd be like, no, seriously, where? I'd be like, what do I do? Why? Where has this come from? I would be fucking heartbroken. I would not know what to do. Genuinely, I would have to. I'd, I'd have to. I'd go to fuck. I'd go as far as going to the church, going to a priest. <laughs> be like here, listen, a bit of holy water on him there. But it's. I yeah. genuinely, I'd be heartbroken if that happened. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, I love how he said he saw Philippe around the base as well. Yeah, yeah, that, you, that photograph would have been great if he could have got a hold of it. <laughs> Making the cheesy ones. <laughs> the cheesy Oh, yeah, so yeah, up next, the Tuffy Prof. It's Start 11s and Predictions. Right, I'm going first. I'm going first. I'll take the hard one. I'll take it on read, the Read out the news there um, before you start. I'll take out the hard one. Uh, so we don't have team news yet but we can kind of predict it so with a bit of guesswork Ferrugia and Kavanagh obviously uh, Watts could be out for four weeks we're here and him and Chris McCann have hamstring issues it's not good and McCann and Joey might make it back for Friday or Monday so that's a lot there's a lot of juggling to go on there as well do you play them in Dundalk do you play them at home on Monday uh, Green's going to be missing for a while Borky looked like he was struggling at the end of Derry and Alan Manis hasn't been 100% and Hor is suspended so I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna get the old medical hat on here and just blast everybody with injections, right? That's how I'm gonna go. Um, flip over my page here. Been doodling and props pay slips. Actually, these pay slips didn't get it. I'm eyeing them up over there now. <laughs> so we got manus injections, right? Here you go. All the injections. Get them into you. Grace Pico scales. So left side. Uh, we'll put Pico on. No, I'm gonna play scales.
Vance and then put Grace in because that's two left-sided centre-half. So either way, we're looking good there. So I'm going to go Max Murphy on the left. I'm going to go Grace Pico-Scales, Gannon on the right. Hopefully he's okay. Oh, I'm going to go Finn and O'Neill in the middle of the park. Mm-hmm. I think Finn Finn likes the game against Dundalk O'Neill is O'Neill isn't he pretty sure we're going to have the same team here because he kind of picks himself given the injuries yeah you you have me convinced about Max Morphy on the left I was going to play scales there and then take a chance on Joey but we don't know yet so Mandrew Bork injections injections everywhere and Gaffney Gaffney to lead the line away again and he's uh, he's been playing well Gaffney's like you said he's starting to become one of your favourite players at Rovers bro. same with Mandrew yeah. with the socks pulled down and all. I'm going to go um Oof. It's a tough one. Ooh. I've been I've been getting the I've been getting the team right. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time you pick a win, but I'm gonna go one 0 win and a feisty feisty game. Two red cards. Uh Gannon to score. Two red cards again? Gannon to score, yeah. To kiss the crest, not bite it. And uh yeah, a one 0 win, a late one as well. Yeah, I have the same team and um, given the injury situation, like we don't know, will Burke make it? If like if Burke doesn't play, I'm gonna say nil nil. Oh, prof. But if he does play, and Mandroy, him and Mandroy will turn it on. Could get a win. Here. I had a dream. Tony Abola scored the winner for them. He's retired, girl. And the match was played on a bouncy castle. So pretty sure he's like sixty now. That's that shows you where my t- t- my mind frame is at. Match on a bouncy castle. Tony Abola scored. Is that just because of his goal against Liverpool? It may, that's the only reason. Cross yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just it was a, it was a random one. Um, yeah. So that's starting elevens and predictions. But uh, Dan McDonald article about Dundalk prof. I think you a cluster fuck. Of an absolute shit show is the probably the best way to describe the situation at Dundalk at the minute. This is a brilliant article. It's behind a paywall, so you'll have to put a few quid to get it. But it's like it's madness. And we thought the one before that, which delved deep into the psyche of Dundalk's ownership and what's going on as regards to coaching and telephone lines and dugouts and goal or keepers taking corners and stuff like that. This is nuts. This is even worse. Like. It's worse. Delve deep into this and what's been going on. I think it's even worse because Shane they're, Keegan they're, was a secretary. Their decisions making has just continuously been worse <laughs> since then. Yeah, a secretary is what Shane Keegan was. Though. Am I right? Administer. Yeah. He was doing like administration work in the background, and they can't get any of the good hardcore volunteers back in. Jim Jilton couldn't persuade them to come back in and help out. So it's just an absolute shit show. The place is being run into the ground. Keegan was told five minutes beforehand that he was going to be made manager. Before, he's not, before it was announced he's at the He's still press not the manager. Like, I mean, I, do, yeah. do, I think what sums it up for me... The sub. Is the sub. Yeah. Wow. You prof, give, give it to Well, they were, the doctor were about to make a substitution and the fourth official wanted to know who would be replaced on the pitch and then that player who was going to come on asked Keegan, who am I replacing? And Keegan said he had no idea. Just go on, sneak on there, see if we can get twelve on. Uh, madness. That's that's embarrassing. That's that's Dundalk who've been what, five out of seven Champions League group stages twice or Europa League. It's embarrassing. And finally, that interview with Bill. Remember that crazy one that we yeah, got. Bill, no one picked ago. up on that. Could you imagine if, like, 
we had like I don't know Dermot Desmond or something like that had a mental interview and was saying all sorts of nuts nutbag shit he'd be yeah. plastered over everything and we'd never forget it but this guy well finally Dan McDonald drew attention to it especially that answer about the three Leicester players I don't know if you heard that but the question was was a couple of players remember they went on loan to at loan yeah and then they kind of had to return this was Bill's uh, yeah. dog clean dog walker's son <laughs> His answer to that was, oh, well, I'll give you three names. And he calls out, like, uh, Jamie Vardy. Maris. Jamie Vardy and Kante. And, like, what? <laughs> what, what? How can you make that comparison? Three of the most exceptional circumstances ever. Absolute head case. And the fact that he probably knows these, knows these kids who are absolute dirt at football. Good at <laughs> lacrosse, maybe. But other than that, they're terrible footballers. Apparently Roddy has sent in his CV three times, Garrett, but he's not received a reply. <laughs> Roddy, I think it might yeah. just happen to get lost in the post office. But um, yeah, they'll be up for that, won't they? The hoops going to town, and we even have Vito from the Sopranos, Garrett, threatening us. Yeah, saw that. That was weird, wasn't it? You could see he was, he was his eyes were shifting left to right. He was reading off something, <laughs> and he was like, "You're playing the shams, <laughs> Dundalk." <laughs> the same way Bill pronounced it. That's so random, wasn't it? Yeah. I love that stuff, though. Um, I just love when celebrities support Leeward and Clothes. Yeah, it doesn't bunk. Bunk out of the words, poor Pats. Bunk likes Pats for some reason. Samuel Jackson likes balls. Does he, though? I I think someone just just got him to hold it. They just threw a scarf at him. I'm not even going to do an impression. (laughs) But um, just on the injury situation, uh, before we were adding Richie Towell to our squad... And it was just an embarrassment of riches. Now you're thinking you could probably do it, Richie, now. Oh, fucking slot him right in there. It'd be great. And so Dylan Watts misses a competitive match guard for the first time since the last day of 2019 against Cork. Mm-hmm. So in our 33-game league and beaten run, he's played in 32 of those, more than any other outfield player. So he's played every league European FBI Cup President's Cup game since the start of 2020. Jesus, there we go. What's he stats? Get them into you. Um, and I've one more stat actually. Um, so we're returning to the scene of our last league defeat. That was Oriel Park in September 2019. So I've done up a thing where our unbeaten runs against each club. Ooh. So I thought you might like this. I like this, bruv. Now you got it wrong last time. I asked you who was our longest winning streak against. So you should know this time. It's a draw. It was hard. Who's our longest unbeaten streak against? Do you think? Her? Who we, we, we that we haven't. So we unbeaten streak. So who hasn't beaten us? Yeah, they're not miles ahead around them. They're just first. Derry. You're very close. Derry's a very close second. I thought it was Derry. Why did I? Why did I think that? Because we remember we went really like for ages under shields. We couldn't beat them. Yeah. And then we are tanking them for a while. Yeah, the answer is Harps again. 13. Oh, I was going to go for it. You threw me off. You threw me off. Harps 13 unbeaten against them. 12 of those wins. They haven't beaten us since 2008. But uh, yeah, Derry's second. 12 unbeaten against Derry. Mm. 9 of those wins. They haven't beaten us since 2017. And we've had a happy hunting ground up in, yeah. in the... I remember you used to always go up thinking, oh, wait, the Derry is tough. Yeah. Just always beat them up there now. Uh, next is Waterford. 10 unbeaten there. 9 of those wins. Next is 10 unbeaten against Pats. Six of those wins. So we are officially 
unbeaten in 10 against Pats. Yeah. It's a great start to have. We're going to go into work with that. Very happy. <laughs> Very happy. And then we have some lower ones. Five against Sligo. Only two of those wins. Actually, three draws there. Bowls, all wins. Oh, yeah. Three against Dundalk, all wins. Three against Drogheda, all wins. And seven against Longford. I didn't do that in order, sorry. But <laughs> seven against Longford. Also, seven wins. Excellent stuff, Prof, with the stats again. But we've uh, Sligo coming up as well, Prof. Can't forget about that on the Monday. Yep. So, the prediction. I'm not even going to do a team. Fucking, it could. Uh, no, no team. With I'm the squad gonna, patched yeah. up by Sellotape. Yeah, Sellotape. So, I'm going to say 2-1 win. A 2-1 win, a close one. This is a and big then, one. It's like, huge. When you factor in Sligo's walkover. Huge. Huge game, so I think we, I think we'll have enough in the locker, and uh, hopefully two one. I'm gonna go. What's you, prof? I'm gonna say a narrow one nil win. Oh, the prof. What about hoop scene on Monday, prof? Tell me a bit about this. Well, I showed you my article earlier, Gar. Excellent stuff. Random madness from prof again. <laughs> Love it. Um, delves into the the abbreviation that is SRFC. It's a it's a piece about the time that Sligo Rovers attempted to trademark the letters SRFC. In the height of their league and cup winning Joey and Doe swagger years. That swagger is the word <laughs> to use right there. And they got a bit ahead of themselves there. And Swaggering they could... around trying to trade trademark letters. When I when I started this article, I wasn't sure that it actually happened. So I had to verify it and it did indeed happen. Uh, another another news with the Sligo Robert development as well. I'm actually happy to see things like that happen. Um, you 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 can't not want to visit good stadiums all around the country, all over. So I'm I'm happy to see that. Happy yeah. to see that they have got a big infrastructure there. They're gonna they they came off very well on the news. I have to say, um, the chairman came off very well, and I'm hoping they get it done. I really do. I mean, we should all be like that. We should all hope everybody else gets their house and their act together. So I'm happy to see it happen. Yeah, we want modern stadiums. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Fucking anti-climb paint, man. Jesus. <laughs> Wrecked their flag, didn't oh, they? which is a bit cheating. Kilnard still can't find it. And now the other one, Craig Matt and the Ocean Electrical. Can you please check your house for the Tifties flag, please? It's somewhere <laughs> there. Um, yeah. So Amaku, prof, made his debut last Saturday, but there's other young players. Four of them who have made the bench this season who are yet to play in the Force team and Rovers fans may not be very familiar with them. So uh, here's Gogerto Baggio, Robert Goggins. The Gog is back and he's going to give us a rundown. And Coley, Mudahioman, Adam Wells, Conan Noonan, Dean McMenemy and Edomo Imaku. Coley is everything you could want in a centre-half, but we've yet to see how he will progress once he gets into a good run in that position. From Tal, he started out with Greenhill's boys down the road in Walkinstown before joining the hoops at under-11 level. He has the advantage of having the academy staff been able to monitor his progress each year since then. Cole has played regularly in the right full position and can be a joy to watch as he takes off with the ball at his feet and go all the way down the line before delivering with precision into the box. Last year though, he played mainly as centre-half, but even at that he didn't get as much football as he might have liked between limited action with the under-19s and then missing out a good chunk of the Rovers 2 season after he suffered hyperthermia in the game against Galway just before Covid struck. The rules stated that he had to take time out additional to the break that was brought on by the national lockdown. Cole is a goal-getter and the one season he spent with the under-17s before moving up to the under-19s, he netted eight times, all but one from nice clean headers. He certainly knows how to use his impressive height. 
Adam Wells, number 21. Long regarded as one of the best prospects at the club, Adam joined Rovers in 2017 and immediately made an impression as a centre-half playing in the newly formed Under-15 National League. Damien Duff, who was managing the squad, certainly thought very highly of Adam. A very confident centre-half, Adam always looked very strong and he has worked very hard to build on his game and his strengths. His gradual progress is clear to see. He reads the game very well from defence and watching him cut in on a defender, win the ball and play it out safely from the back is a joy to watch. He made 16 appearances in total for Rovers 2 last year and has appeared on the bench for the first team this season. Although he is still only 18, I certainly wouldn't have any reservations if Adam was called upon during the first team game to come on. I firmly believe that he is ready for it. Conan Noonan, number 34. It might be hard to believe, but Conan is now in his fifth year at Shamrock Rovers. In 2017, he joined the then Damien Duff managed under 15 team in what was the first year of the National League under 15 structure. He comes from Clocker and Co in County Kildare and had played in schoolboy football previously with local side BBC United and then St Kevin's in Dublin. Conan, who is 18 years of age, can play anywhere across the middle of the park, but best enjoys playing in what we now call the number 10 role, driving on against defences and setting up chances for his teammates. Conan has a talent to himself for scoring, and I've seen him deliver some belters in the underage leagues. One that comes to mind is a super effort he scored for the under-19s against Bray Wanderers at the Carlisle Grounds last year. I and others present at the game just knew what was on his mind when he connected with the ball. If Conan believes that the chance is on, he will go for it. He doesn't wait until he can see the white of the keeper's eyes. A measure of Conan's progress with Rovers can be seen in the fact that he was winner of Junior 17's Player of the Year for the 2019 season. Dean McMenemy, number 47. Dean is another player who joined the academy in 2017 and played under guidance of Damien Duff. How would I describe him? I think I would put him in the Ronan Finn moulds. A seriously hard grafter in the centre of the park who displays good qualities both defensively and in attack. At times he might seem fearless, such as his determination to win the ball. He doesn't shirk tackles, even though he has been on the end of a lot of rather dubious ones. It says a lot about Dean that he just gets up and gets on with it. I remember picking him out from that side of 2017 and thinking, I really like the look about him. He impressed me as a good, honest grafter. And certainly, he is an asset to have in any squad. Idemo Imaku, number 38. Idemo came to Rovers last year, having previously played for Shelburne under 17s. He's still only 17 years of age and attended school at Moyle Park College in Clondalkin. Idemo is principally a winger who is comfortable operating on either flank and he has a keen eye for goal, scoring several times last year for the under 19s in the curtailed COVID 19 season. A favourite part of his game is taking on defenders in 1v1 situations. Although 10 of his 11 appearances for Rovers 2 last year came as a sub, he did manage to show that he is a very capable and confident performer who is not overawed by the occasion, a trait he showed again when he made his debut for the first team in the recent game against Derry City at Tallis Stadium. So Rob, the goggle man, very good stuff from him again, in-depth knowledge. Few graduates of the Damien Duff Academy there, wasn't there? I did. Uh, yeah. Surprised he hasn't poached them. Conan Noonan in the number ten role. That one interests me. Mm. 
Very interesting. Because a couple of these lads could debut on Friday. I know, We're yeah. down to bare bones here. Who was our last one, Prof? Come on, tell us who was our last young lad to make a, a debut in Dundalk. Very young man. Well, it was James Furlong, wasn't it? A 16-year-old left-back. He was very good as well. We were also day. down to bare bones that day. Remember yeah. a few injuries and suspensions after Mr. McLaughlin had uh, <laughs> sent off two of our players day, yeah. in suspicious circumstances. He had a field day with us. Uh, mm. Like you said, Prof, a winger. Idomo and Marco, it's great to have one. Mm-hmm. A tricky, tricky winger. Tricky, pacey winger. So it's nice to know a bit about these players. You know what I mean? We, we see their names on the bench, but we don't really know what their attributes are. What so. about Zeffi? Is young Zeffi jetted off to uh, Italy or what? What's the story there? Is he gone? I don't have a new date there. No idea about that. So that'd be interesting to hear about. But anyway, that was Robert. And thanks again to the Gogstar for looking after all of our youngsters news but uh, the injury situation prof we can end the show on this am I worried about it no I'm very capable not capable I'm very confident of our club to look after our players injuries you know and I mean they they pull all the stops out to to look after them send them abroad send them to all these specialists I'm very very confident that we can do that but injuries are injuries and I'm hoping they're not too too bad I mean Greener Greener has a fracture you have a couple of other ones there but I'm I'm confident that we have Mm. the squad depth and of course, the young lads as well to help out to, to get through this mini crisis, we could say. So that's what. Well, as Brazier says, he trusts these players when called upon. And you heard Robert speak about youngsters. Yeah, highly, highly rated youngsters who are wanted by clubs abroad as well. So I think they're well able to slot in right there and do a job. More than do a job, excel. Mm. So that is it. Prof. The only thing you, you wouldn't want to be chasing the game. No. I'd have Hill to Park. make a sub. Yeah. Exactly. But then again, you never know. You never know. Someone could, uh, could, could come on and, and make a difference. But that's it for this week's show, Prof. Uh, we have the baldiest balls in Dublin. and um, 20% tipties, cold. That's it. <laughs> so that is it. And uh, keep on hooping. See ya. Sun